Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. White and blue, and we're back with another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhower. And it's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas is over. (laughs) Ah, I don't like this part. It's like the decorations came down this weekend and now it oh, just really? feels, yeah. Now it just feels like, well, that's the festive fun over. Now it's just a shitty year to come. <laughs> Why are you so pessimistic about this year? No, I think it's going to be a good year. It's just, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I like Christmas time and the feel good factor. I talked about that last show. And no, I mean, it's going to be a good year. There's a lot of football happening this year in BC all over. The lower mainland, North America, we covered a lot of that last week, but... Germany, Scotland. Germany, Scotland, we'll hear a little bit about Germany, Scotland (laughs) in in this show as well, because we've got our special off-season annual chat with Whitecaps CEO and Sporting Director Axel Schuster. 37-minute chat, so I'm splitting that up in parts two and three. And then we'll unpack some of what Axel said in part four, talk a little bit of MLS and stuff as well. Before we we get into all that football chat though, Zach, how has your week been? Yeah, I mean, better than the last time we talked when I was... Yes, you you look healthier. Well, you look uh, (laughs) Weller, Not, not Paul Weller, although you would suit one of those kind of mullets, kind of weird... Willer haircuts. No, no mullet. No mullets. <laughs> Just no mullets. mullets for you. Yeah. Or Mullers, maybe you'd prefer. But um I've I've been watching the FA Cup this weekend. It's been it's it's nice that Sportsnet have been showing games on the main channels. I'm not just bringing it on Sportsnet World as they do for the first couple of rounds. Yeah. The good thing though about the FA Cup now is it's BBC and ITV that's got the rights in in the UK, so you can watch it on iPlayer and on ITVX and stuff if you've got your VPNs. But I, I'm going to take it you didn't watch any of the FA Cup action. No, I saw some pre-FA Cup reporting. I saw, I got sent a clip of the end of one of the the fixtures. Uh, yeah. I think it was the end. Yeah, it must have been the end. Um, but yeah, you saw the story, right? The one article I got sent? I don't oh. know. <laughs> 
I've, I've watched the game, so. What would the what they what they uh, were trying to do at the Stadium of Light? Well, I I watched the Stadium. Well, I watched the, the Sunderland Newcastle game. No. Did you, did you... <laughs> so there was as soon as the third Newcastle goal went, and I just turned it off. What have I missed? Oh, that's that's maybe what I that's maybe the goal I got sent. Was that a penalty? Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's the one I saw. Yeah. Um. Uh, oh, is this the card tifo at the start you're talking about? No, no, I no. haven't even seen that. No, oh, dude, it, went, earlier, it went really well. It said we're side and yeah, okay, but earlier in the week, dude, there's this whole story that broke that there's six thousand traveling fans, mm. and I think six to seven hundred of them had paid like six hundred pounds a person to have like box seats, like suites, and. And someone within the Sunderland organization, in maybe an attempt to supposedly avoid vandalism or whatever, redecorated the suites in black and white <gasps> with banners like, we are united. Like, what? Yeah. And when this got out, the, the Sunderland faithful went mental, as you can understand. I can very much understand that. <laughs> oh, my so yeah, it's I think a PR full part. nightmare. I think it got changed in time before the match, but it was all out there. There's like images of like the painting, images of like some of the signs, and <laughs> wow, <laughs> that like... wow, I I can't believe I missed that. I was looking really? forward to to the game, and it was a bit it's disappointing. First, it's the first time they played in like six, seven years or something, right? Yeah, it's like I like. One of my best friends in Scotland, Stevie's a Sunderland fan. Me and him actually did a, a tour of the stadium of light when oh. East Fife were down in that area playing some pre-season tournaments. Nice. And we went and had a, a tour. It was it was fantastic. And um, my old boss, when I, I worked in the bank, was a, a big Sunderland fan. Actually, uh, you know I did an East Fife fanzine. Um, mm -hmm. I also did a music fanzine I did a Sergeant Bilko fanzine but I thought it would be fun for my work to do a work fanzine where what? I took the piss out of my um, employers? Yeah, well employers bosses, co-workers uh, co -workers, yeah everything <laughs> classic so like my, my boss Colin was uh, a big Sunderland fan from concert <laughs> like, like John Herdman Yep. And folk always mistook him for a Geordie, which she hated. And he's like, no, I'm a, I'm a Mackham. <laughs> so I did a cartoon strip in the in the fanzine. Now, this fanzine, I'll, I'll say, ran for like four or five issues be, before the HR complaint. And it, I had a cartoon strip called Geordie Wanker. And it was all about him. And every time folk would call him a Geordie Wanker for stuff that he's done, and he'd go, no, I'm, I'm a Mackham, actually. So, wow. yeah. Although it did state in the cartoon that it bore no resemblance to anyone alive or dead. So me saying it was Colin is not actually the, the case. I also had a cartoon strip in it, Slimy Stan, the Dunfermline fan, about this sleazy guy that I worked with at just hitting all the female cashiers and tellers and stuff. Oh, my. But again, no similarity to any actual person. 
even though he had an affair with one of the girls and his wife kicked him out. But anyway, that's that's a that's a total aside. But it was great to see the Sunderland Newcastle game in that they both wore their proper kits. They wore the red and white stripes and the black and white stripes. Yes, it was a bit of a nightmare for yeah. TV. Not as much maybe as Arsenal wearing their white jerseys with white numbers as uh, part of the anti-knife crime campaign, which is about no red, so their strip has no red on it. Oh, that's awkward. Except I mean, the FA Cup logo on their sleeves is red. red. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, it's obviously, it's obviously sounds like a good cause. But... I mean, it's a, it's a great campaign. It's a great cause. And yeah, it wasn't great for trying to work out who, who the players were. But the, the big story from the FA Cup is sixth tier. Maidstone United are through oh. to the fourth round draw. They beat yeah. League One side Stevenage. Yeah, I heard about that. Talking uh, about cup f- football as well, I, we mentioned on the show just the excitement of the, the draw that saw US uh, Revelle drawn at home to play PSG in the French Cup. Right. So I don't know, have you seen the French Cup results this weekend? No. Well, that game is played today, and I don't know that Revelle are going to be reveling in the 9-0 defeat by PSG. Yeah, it's still, oh, I mean, who cares, yeah. right? Like, it's no, I know, that was, that was a sixth tier team as well, taking on PSG. Not the biggest defeat, though, this weekend in the French Cup. Because I, I don't know if you heard the story about Golden Lion. Are, are they um, fans of Goldie Looking Chain? Oh, no, but they should be. Uh, they should Golden be. Lion are the champions of Martinique. And as such, they get to play in the French Cup. So they were drawn away to Lille. And they, they managed a shot, which was good. It wasn't on target, but at least they managed a shot. Unfortunately, Lille managed 36 shots, 22 of them on target, and 12 of which ended up in the back of the net. It was a 12-0 victory to Lille. Wow. Jonathan David hit oh, a hat-trick. Yeah. yeah, I heard he scored a bunch. Yeah. This weekend. 12-0 win, you would take that any any day of the week, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, love our cup football. The draw for the Canadian Championship should be getting made by the end of this month, so that should be pretty exciting as well. Yeah, are they going to do another draw like last? Like I enjoyed that last year's on. Yeah, TV. I hope so. It was on one soccer. It was awesome. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how the Highlanders going to be at home. Do they want to host and everything like that? Obviously, sad still that TSS aren't in it. But yeah, looking forward to that. But it's going to be a good year. And despite my pessimistic it, thing at start, I think it's going to be a, a good year for football. Good year for AFTN as well. Ho- hopefully, they don't bring in like Josh Hurd or Meyer Bevan to do the draw because they might, you know, trip and fall and knock the. The, the bins over that that would be embarrassing you can get rod stewart and that was still a, a fantastic <laughs> draw but yeah we, we've got big plans for for 2024 as well we're going to celebrate the white caps 50th anniversary in a lot of ways and a lot of style uh, our artist of the month has gone it's now replaced by album of the month and we'll be kicking that off at the start of part three we we're waiting to see what's happening with the new League One BC commissioner or League One Canada commissioner, I should say, because we've got some plans to pitch to them uh, about some things we would like to do to help grow League One BC, and I I'm hoping to start a new podcast that this year that will be on this feed, 
but it'll be uh, an additional once a month podcast I I hope to go for. We're going to launch, Zach, the AFTN Book Club. Sweet. And it's going to take a variety of different things. So we're going to speak to some authors. We're going to speak to just some favourite people that's maybe done autobiographies and talk about their stuff as well. We'll maybe do some more of our serialisations. I enjoy doing those a, a couple of times on the podcast as well. And we'll also, not every month, but we'll pick a book and we'll give people at home the, the chance to, to pick the book up and read it over the month. And then if anyone wants to be part of the book club, if you're a, a voracious reader and you want to be in the book club, please get in touch. Because I know, Zach, you're super busy. You might not have a chance to to get some books done. I have actually ordered a book for you, though, as part of the book club. Um, it's one I've been trying to get hold of for ages. I saw it in a UK secondhand bookshop, so I ordered us two copies. So once that arrives, that can be the first one that, that we can do. But yeah, if anyone out there is interested in being part of the book club... Are we going to do with all the squid? Yeah, well, that's another one I thought we could do as well. Totally. So big plans for AFTN. And of course, the Whitecaps are going to have big plans because, Zach, we're going back in time this year. We're going to party like it's 1974. And of course, you know what that means. We're going to dig out the flares. We're going to have to wear tight-fitting... What kind of of flares are we talking about? Well... you can dig out both kinds, but the trouser <laughs> varieties was more oh. what I was meaning. So we'll we'll dig them out. We're gonna have to wear some really tight fitting turtlenecks and sweaters. That was the men's fashion of the day. Caitlin is gonna get in on the act as well. She just doesn't know it yet. I've thrown a lot of her clothes out and I've replaced them with brown polyester. <laughs> I've also hidden her lady shave as well, so she's going to be going oh natural as if we're back in 1974. That'll be a nice surprise for her. Um, we'll get some we'll wallpaper the houses. We'll come around and wallpaper your house with nice brown and yellow wallpaper with circles on it. Um, yeah, we're, we're just going to celebrate 1974, celebrate the, the Whitecaps' 50th anniversary. It was a year that fashion kind of forgot. It, it wasn't really the, the best year. We can dress like the Fonz, though, because Happy Days first started in 1974. Hey, get those leather jackets out. And the Whitecaps, of course, played their first season that year. The first match was on May 5th, 1974. So over the course of the year on the podcast and the website, we'll have a lot of celebrations. But just to give you a little taster with this first show of the year we'll take you back to 1974 and I, I, I've said before Zach it'd be fun to have it was an, an acceptable in the 70s podcast might get us cancelled but yeah, let's not do that it was an interesting year for music for films for culture for politics football wise West Germany thing. beat Holland to win the World Cup it, no. I and all the world rejoiced. I mean, it, it was a good year, actually, for you in 1974. So, I mean, where where were you? We're recording this Sunday, January 7th. Where were you 50 years ago? Uh, yeah, I was not born. What? Yeah. I was five. Yeah, you're like a decade older than me. 
I was in off. primary school. I might be doing a lot of the heavy lifting there in this section. <laughs> but it was a good year for you, 1974, because Germany, as I mentioned, won the World Cup. Also, Bayern won the Bundesliga by a point from Borussia Mönchengladbach. Mm -hmm. And they also won their first European Cup in 1974. For real. Beating Atletico Madrid in a replay. replay. And they could have been playing Celtic because Atletico Madrid had actually beat Celtic over two legs in the, the semi-final. In North American football, the newly formed LA Aztecs, who came into the league the just as the, the Whitecaps did, they had a much better season, though, than the Whitecaps. <laughs> They beat Miami Toros on penalties to win the NASL Championship 50 years ago. Leeds United won the English First Division title. And that was the 73-74 season. Don Revy was the manager. He then left to take on England. Mm -hmm. And then Brian Clough took over in July 1974 and in charge for 44 days. Four days. The basis for the Damned United film. Mm -hmm. But have, have you seen that film? I don't, you know what? I don't think I've ever watched it. Oh, right. We I will mean, have to do a, a TVOD then on that film. We'll yeah. do that in the summer. I'll get you to watch I that. Also, we, I also put off and I never watched because I thought we were going to watch it and talk about um, what was that? It was a series. I think it was Netflix, The English Game. Oh, was yes. That, uh -huh. Did you watch it? I no. never watched it. I put it off. No, I. I have it to watch i watched the first episode really liked it so i'll get back to it when we're gonna talk about it and then i haven't revisited it but yeah. we'll definitely do the damned united and it, the damned united people involved at the time said the book's a little bit flight of fancy but as a standalone film it's hugely entertaining i, I believe i have two copies of cloth's autobiography i have well there's there's been there's been autobiographies, there's been biographies. I actually have, um, I think it's autobiography as well. I, should see, I think I have two copies of the same one. I should I should check and see if we both have the same one. Mm, yeah, I'll, I'll dig that out. I'll Mine's in my office. Let you know. um, obviously, everyone's wondering what happened to East Fife in 1974. Oh, they're on the edge of their seats. Relegation. <laughs> yeah. The end of the 73-74 season, East Fife were relegated from the top flight in Scottish football, never to return. Okay, so just just for everyone keeping score at home, that's world, German world, <laughs> Bayern champions and domestic champions, East Fife relegation. Thanks for the sympathy. <laughs> but I'm still celebrating the year. Um, yeah, it, we were uh, we got relegated in goal difference as well by three goals, and we've never been back in the top flight since. So uh, that that was tough. Culture wise, films, The Towering Inferno was the highest grossing film in the US, and very apt to think that fifty years later, TFC are like The Towering Inferno of uh, ML MLS. Is, is uh, Bernadeski gone yet? No. Not, not yet, right? Not no. Yet. We'll talk about TFC in a, in a little bit because it's been an interesting off-season so far. Have you seen The Towering Inferno? No, I don't believe I have. Oh, it, it was a, 74 was a year of disaster films because Earthquake was a, was a big one as well. Um, other classic films released in 1974, and I've dug some of them out here. 
one of my all-time favourite comedies, Blazing Saddles. That's got the 30th anniversary DVD. Ah, well, I'm a huge Gene Wilder fan and also a huge Mel Brooks fan, but Gene Wilder in particular is one of my all-time favourite actors. And interestingly, Blazing Saddle... Well, Towering Inferno was the number one film of the year. Blazing Saddles was number two. And number three was another Gene Wilder film, Young Frankenstein. Oh, right. Which is another fantastic film. Other films in 1974, Godfather Part Two. Part Two, yeah. Death Wish. The the soft porn classic, Emmanuel. Sure you've seen that. <laughs> uh, very similar, Disney's Herbie Rides Again. Don't be confused by the title. It's not a soft porn film. Um, the James Bond film that year was The Man with the Golden Gun. I've seen that. It was the original Murder of the Orient Express. And one of the best horror films released that year, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So weird, man. I have this. I, I've got this. On, VHS. Yeah. Was that, was that I, Betamax? No, it's an American VHS because it was banned in the UK for so many years that when I came over here in 1994 on holiday, I picked up World this Cup. and Clockwork Orange, two banned films. So we can watch banned because of the, the gory violence? Yeah. The, for anyone, I mean, I'm sure folk know about Leatherface um, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre for five young friends, a typical summer afternoon drive becomes a terrifying nightmare. This is the all-new restored version, uncut and unedited. So if yeah. you want me kind of a viewing party for Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre. No, yeah, I'm done. No, no. Right, the kids round. It's an education. Yeah. No, no. TV-wise? I, 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 don't, I don't think I've seen the original. I think I've seen, like, a couple of clips from, like, the remake in the 90s or 2000s. Or... It, it, it is a classic horror film um, it's pretty it's pretty disturbing yeah it's yeah i've got quite a lot of those videos maybe explains a lot as does a lot of the childhood tv that i watched growing up which we've talked about in the show before tis was which was a famous show of mine it started in 1974 wait wait are these all shows that got are like cancelled because the people who made them are in prison for no 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 that's okay. just mostly the music and stuff but mm. one of my other favorite kids tv shows bag Puss. Dear Bag Puss, Dear Fat Furry Cat Puss. <laughs> I, I kid you not, before we started recording, <laughs> Zach's just like shaking his head in disbelief here. Look, there's a picture of Bag Puss. That's a cat? Yeah, he's a Bag Puss. Sorry, it's a bit of glare there, I can't. Oh, yeah. See, this is the complete Bag Puss DVD. Uh, I've watched it regularly. I was trying to find Caitlin's Bag Puss to show you. But I can't find it. I've seen it in the bedroom. But I don't know where our bag puss is right now. Oh, my. But anyway, that was the first year in 1974. Happy days, as we mentioned. Hong Kong Fooey. Remember Hong Kong Fooey? I do not. Number Happy one days. super Happy guy. Days. Happy days ever go. Little House on the Prairie. I remember that one. Yeah. That's more up your street. That was 1974 as well. The Rockford Files. I know that show, but I don't think I've ever, like, I know the name, but I don't think I've ever watched yeah. it. It was also like the UK at that time. That was right in the peak of the UK sitcom, the classic sitcoms. Many of them, when you sit down now, like Love Thy Neighbour, On the Buses, and Sickness and in Health, you can't really 
broadcast them now because they they would be cancelled. So we can have a marathon of those as well. No, no. For the rest of this part, we are actually going to talk football, you'll be glad to know. And we're going to look a bit at Major League Soccer. Not Whitecaps, because we're focusing on that in the next three parts. But it's been a very busy MLS off-season so far. There's been some eye-opening moves, both good and of the -the what-the-fuck variety. And we're not going to delve into every team, because... We want this to try and be a two-hour podcast. Cut it down an hour. Give everyone a break. Especially me in the editing capacity. But I want to look at some of the things that's affected the Canadian team so far. Or Canadian players. Um, and maybe just anything Western Conference uh, is particularly of interest. And then we'll go team by team as we get closer to the season in the West. But let's start with the the two Eastern Canadian teams and CF Montreal. Now, no new coach officially announced yet, Zach, but The Athletic reported on Thursday that current Columbus Columbus Crew 2, I knew I was going to butcher that, head coach Laurent Courtois has got the job and is going to get announced this week. Now, Courtois won the 2022 MLS Knicks Pro Championship with Crew 2. He's also been an assistant in MLS with LA Galaxy. He played in MLS as well with Chivas and the Galaxy. Fun fact, he made his Galaxy debut against the Whitecaps in July 2013. He's 45 years old, born in Lyon in France, has played for some French teams, so that will give gravitas perhaps to, to, to those in Montreal that that like the the connection with France. Also played very briefly in the Premier League in England with West Ham. Only, I think, seven games. Didn't really... He struggled a bit there. But it's an interesting appointment. I'm disappointed it's not Parmidou Carr who was rumoured for the job. But he's done really well with Columbus. And if they can't have Wilfried Nonsey, let's get... Laurent Courtois there instead. Yeah, I saw this news the other day and I was like, uh, that feels a little bit underwhelming, but I think fits Joey Saputo's it's not it's not up until this point, it's not that dissimilar to Vancouver the, the Whitecaps approach, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I think coach, he's a really good coach. Yeah, a yep a young up and coming coach who's done some stuff and has lots of has a as a high ceiling or a potential high ceiling um, because the way things are in Montreal or the way things we know they have been in Montreal, both reported and off the record, the, yeah, you can't bring in someone who's too strong mm. or who's going to uh, want things their way too much because... Well, that that was immediately when Pa was linked with the job, I was like, oh, that's yeah. a clash waiting to happen. Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, uh, I mean, but he, no, so I, I'm he's not got saying a good this pedigree, a, especially with yeah. young players, as shown with with Crew Two. Yeah, I'm not saying this is a bad sign. This might actually work out really well for them, or it might even work out really well for them in the short term. And then, like Nancy moves on, and they, you know, they're mm-hmm. on the lookout. They're on the lookout again. But wouldn't it be ironic if Nancy moves on and then Courtois moves to Columbus as well? Yeah, totally. Yeah. You can I mean, see he, that totally he's 
he did so well in 2022, bringing through a lot of the young crew guys that have then made the breakthrough now to mm-hmm. that team that just lifted the MLS Cup. So I, I think it's an exciting appointment for them. And obviously being French, perfectly fits in with the culture and everything. I mean, if you're a Montreal fan, though, you, you want stability. This is their 10th MLS coach in 13 MLS seasons. Yeah. And again, that's not for, that's not uh, an accident. That's not for no reason. No. And including this upcoming one, it'll be their sixth in six seasons. Yeah. Now, that is just not sustainable. Yeah. So I think there might be cautious optimism amongst the, the Montreal supporters, but. It's, yeah, I didn't get a chance to listen to the ballers round that they did tonight to see. Is Camacho coming with them? <laughs> I'm sure he could be welcome back. Maybe assistant coach. <laughs> but yeah, I'll try and I'll listen to what the ballers round said, and can I get that? But we're going to get Eve on the show before the season starts anyway. So I, I had been thinking this week when we just planned the show and stuff, and I thought, oh, we'll talk about TFC in Montreal. And I was like, man, they need to get a coach in place like ASAP. And I mean, it's still not official. Right. Yeah. But it's reported basically that it's a done deal from the way the Athletic reported it. But they need to get him in. Just get that rebuilding work started. Because they've only added two players so far this off season. I know the Whitecaps have only added one outside the draft picks in Krylak. But we've got a much better base to, to build yeah. off than Montreal. Less, less people going out, yeah. So they've, they've added Raheem Edwards from the Galaxy and Ruan from DC United. So Yeah, Kirk was the one who let me know about Raheem Edwards. He's like, hey, did you hear? I was like, mm. no. He's like, Raheem Edwards down from the Galaxy to, to Montreal. I was like, oh. He was always a player that when he was available in like end of season drafts and stuff, we talked about, oh, could he yeah. be a fit here for the Whitecaps or whatever? But I think he'll do well there. And Ruan, I, I don't know too much about. I haven't really watched a lot of DC United games of late. But they, they need to get some more players in. And because it's a, an early start to the season, Courtois needs to get in there and, and get up and running. But if Montreal have work to do, I, I feel that's nothing compared with the work that TFC and John Herdman has a, ahead of them. Because... Aside from their first round draft pick, Tyree Spicer, number one overall in the draft, they have not made any new signings. Yeah, you you wonder what how Herdman's going about this and what what's all going on behind the scenes because we know that having access to funds to improve the squad is typically not an issue for Toronto, even when they're maybe in the midst of of trying having to get some, some large, of those big well, having, off the yeah, books. Some having some of those large contracts hanging over them that hasn't stopped them in the past. Um, so it well, is kind of interesting to see what might happen or how oh, sorry, how that's going to all play out there. Well, we, I'm not, I'm not at this moment. I'm not. I don't. I'm sure Toronto people are concerned or frustrated or whatever. But oh, they are. It's, it's like gonna, not a day goes a by without. Time, I see one TFC fan saying, "Are we making any signings? Make a signing." Yeah, but the, you. The, but they've got a problem, and we only briefly touched on this at the end of the season. But they had a shit twenty twenty three, so you want a clear out. But then they announced their 
their roster moves and eight players moved on and they had 19 players on guaranteed contracts for 2024 yeah. from a team that did not perform. Exactly. And you've got two big Italian contracts. That's anchors just, holding um, you. Yeah, so anchors around. Right. That's yeah. the word I was looking for when I was trying to think of this. Anchors around their necks yeah. uh, with cement blocks on the bottom, I think, to, to pull them down even more. Now, they might get a new lease of life and be fantastic for them because they are both obviously quality players. But, but it doesn't seem like that, right? I mean, Bernadeschi in his, in his off season, which is, you know, he's it's totally fine, go home, hang out. But he's been hanging out at the Juventus training ground and making statements like, oh, yeah, I would like to be back here in January. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, like... what, I mean, who wouldn't? It's like the, the choice of the, those two teams and leagues. But, I mean, TFC were linked with a, a player coming back to MLS from Europe this week. I yeah. don't know if you saw it. I saw, I saw. I mean, I was always hoping he was going to go to Dallas. But it looks like Debbie does Toronto instead, if the rumours are true. Debbie Flores, former Whitecap, 27 years old now, and during international, could yep. be coming to TFC. Yeah. Now, he wasn't great be, here. It could, well, but yeah. That but was a different, I have, I've watched him subsequently in CONCACAF Champions League. Yeah, and watched him in I haven't followed national, him over in, in Hungary or whatever, but yeah, in Honduras as well. And he seems to have come on to being a bit of a player. Yeah. But a DM, a guy that's 27, not a huge name. I'm not quite sure that's the kind of first signing the fans were hoping for. But I think he could certainly do a, a job for TFC. I, I agree. I think he could be a, a good um, second choice in center midfield or a depth choice in center midfield for them depending on what those other options are. Again, I, I, I'd imagine that will mean, because we kind of thought, oh, maybe Robbo's going to come in as an assistant at TFC, no. although he is available now. But him and Debbie yeah. Flores had a few issues. Did they? I'm forgetting that part. Yeah. He was the one who brought Debbie in. Yeah. There, there was just stuff happened. and. Okay. Yeah. But t talking off assistants... TFC do have their big move this year. Yeah. We mentioned it in the last show that we'd heard the murmurs and it was confirmed. Jason DeVos, he was the interim general secretary at Canada Soccer, but he is now assistant to John Herdman at TFC. And not a surprise move. John likes to have people around him that he knows and trusts. Yeah. And I mean, for, for DeVos, he goes from... His interim position at the CSA, where you know you're not making great money, to TFC, where you're going to make respectable money, and for him, I'm I'm guessing there's probably some uh, considerable amount of joy of you know being on the pitch every day and yeah, kind of back in the grind, back in the flow, back amongst the back amongst the lads, as they might say over. And I am sure, I sure he really misses that. I'd like to probably speak to Jason. I, I'd put feelers out through a mutual friend to try and get Jason on the the show um, but then because he was stepping down I guess that was maybe why he didn't want to come and chat about Canada soccer stuff but we'd yeah. love to just chat to him just in, about Canadian football in general and, and his new role but that would certainly be an interesting one and both those teams certainly need to to pick it up a little bit if they want to, to be competitive in what's going to be a very tough Eastern Conference next year with some yeah. of the other 
additions that's been made. But we'll focus a little bit on the West now. Um, just some Canadian interest, really. So LAFC, 14 players moved on yeah. from LAFC. And the only one that's come in is 37-year-old former Tottenham keeper joining from Tottenham and the former World Cup winner, Hugo Lloris. Or Hugo Lloris. Well, see, I I always pronounce him Lloris, but then I saw something this week that pronounced him as Lloris, and I was like, oh, have I just been murdering his name this whole time? I don't know. Hugo, anyway. Will he be the boss? That's what we want to know. But... 361 appearances for Spurs, 145 for France. He's a great keeper. He's an old keeper. I'm assuming he's coming in to be the number one. <laughs> but as soon as that rumour came out, everyone was like, well, free agent Maxime Cropot is clearly not coming back to LAFC because I don't see either him or Lloris playing second fiddle to the other. So we kind of knew he was moving on. And again... This has not been confirmed as definite, but I would expect it maybe even by the time folk are listening to this. Maxime Cropot has thought, you know what, I've annoyed the Whitecaps fans when they've played LAFC. What could really get under their skin next? I'll join a Cascadian rival. He's heading to Portland. He can talk the fan base up there again. It would be, it would be, it would be different if it was Seattle, but yeah. Well, uh, Greg Petrie asked about that. Um, he wanted me to, to mention to you, if you refuse to refer to a former Sounders player who joined the Whitecaps as anything besides the Colombian, then I hope that you're not going to go soft on a former Whitecaps player going to the Timbers just because he's a Canadian national team player. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess, I mean, there's, do, there's multiple, call him the Canadian? <laughs> There's multiple variables in that equation, right? Yeah, like, also you can't just refer to him as the Canadian because of other business that Portland have done this week, which we'll come, we'll on, come yeah. to in a sec. Um, yeah, but no, I mean, I mean... Back to Crepeau. When Crepeau came here, did, I mean, Crepeau's a kid who was, you know, supporting the impact with the, the Ultras as a kid, right? Like, yeah. he came here... I mean, if I, I'm, I mean, if you were going to say anything, it would be about when he came here calling him something, but... Um, not when he went to not when he went to LAC or now to Portland. I don't, I don't really care. Plus, my obviously my emotional engagement is uh, quite different than <laughs> it was when the Colombian came here. Yes, um, but in terms of what, what I would say about, to play devil's advocate, I think it's a good move for him. He's I, going to a good club with in a great city with a great fan base, and from a Canadian national team point of view, you're wanting him to be playing well and having a strong season. And the Pantamus is there too, right? Yeah, that's the other weird thing about this. So James Pantamus joined this week, and now it's going to mention that Max is coming as well. So they're going to have two Canadian keepers that probably, but not impossibly, won't be away with the Canadian national team at the same time. But it is something that could happen, depending on injuries and availability. So Portland could have their two of their keepers away with Canada on international duty at the same time. But what, what must Pantemis be feeling like? He's like, oh, I'm moving to Portland. I'll have a battle for the number one. Oh, here comes Max again. Hey, buddy. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it would be nice to be able, whether we can talk about it on the show or not, it would be nice to understand really what the heck is going on here, 
right? Yeah. Like this whole, this whole supposedly wanting to go to Europe to balancing that with needing to play every game to, I guess, well, some would say win or others maybe say maintain the number one spot for Canada, you know, uh, less, less than two years or just, sorry, just over two years out from a world cup, um, is significant in all this, I imagine, but it's, uh, yeah, like he's not, he hasn't made a move up a level, that's for sure. And so it's, it's a little bit there. Yeah, there's the, the I, I would love to know why, like why this has happened in this way and well, how's yeah. all out and what were his options or what was, what's his thing? Cause to me, I know like Greg or other people, it's like, oh, he's going to Portland for the money. He, he couldn't get enough money in Europe. So he's going to Portland or whatever. I, I don't think this is only about money. I'm, I'm, I'm sure money plays a role in it for sure. But I I would love to know like what the what the options were or what his plan was and how this all came about because it sounds like LAFC only brought in Hugo because they're like okay Max is gone mm -hmm. and we need to replace him and I think they haven't and done they a probably job. bought him like Kripo I think was on three fifty off the top of my head at LAFC last yeah. year so they probably got Hugo coming in at that and I mean the rumors were that they weren't prepared to pay the extra money to give Kripo a big bump in the contract that he was looking for, which does in part go down to this thing that we've talked about a lot over the years, that goalkeepers just are not a valued commodity in MLS. Yeah, yeah. But I also we partly understand why. Which is crazy, because Max Kripo got you to two MLS Cup finals in a row. Yeah. And he played a significant role in both of those runs. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Greg wrote you about other stuff about his role in the final, the the first final, whatever. But like, that's a, a, a sour grapes from a Whitecaps fan. That's whatever. Yeah. But but ultimately, yeah. Why not pay him another hundred fifty a year? Obviously, I mean, there, there's something that's their salary, you know, budget cap, whatever issues. But um, it, to me, it. I don't know if you're LAFC and you, from Thorrington and those guys and. And uh, what's the name Trundle? It, it seems kind of weird, unless they're yeah. like, unless they're, unless they have like concerns about the longevity of you know his his leg, you know, coming off that break. Maybe well, I mean, they he, feel he like told me when he was here that he's totally fine and there's no issues with it. I like we've spoken to him obviously a lot over the years, and he's always made it clear that he wanted to go to Europe. That's his dream. Yeah. He wants to play in Europe. So I wonder if something just fell apart, or you know, or if maybe it was an offer he just couldn't resist. Or or the Portland one? Mm. No. Until the salaries I mean, come out, we we don't know. But something must have fallen apart. There must be some kind of, there must be some kind of like they, he had a thing, and it was then it was like at the end it was like oh yeah, but you're not guaranteed number one. Possibly. He's like no, I yeah. I so have this to play. is now a crucial part of his career. Yeah. Because he, he can't, should he can't be the go, number one. He can't go somewhere to fight for number one, or go somewhere to. Um, uh, even just like coming at the same time as another keeper to battle for number one, like he needs to be number one. Yeah, and like, and also maybe for him, maybe it's also simply about, or maybe one of the factors in all this is the, uh, the difference in the schedules, right? So to to go to go somewhere, um, to go somewhere now where he's not had maybe the the break his body's used to and whatever, and his recovery and whatever, and then again going into a middle of a season, maybe that's one of the reasons right and then he doesn't want to wait till he doesn't want to wait you know he's not going to sit around until july that's not an option for him right so maybe it was like no i need to 
I need to stay in MLS. I don't know. There's got to be some kind of yeah, logical, I mean, you know, reason behind reasoning behind all this, and hopefully one day we we know, and it'd be even nicer if we could talk about it yeah. on the show. Well, but, yeah, Greg said he doesn't begrudge like Greg Petrie that this was just a message that we got from him about this, which I, I thought was was worth chatting about because he doesn't begrudge a player taking the money because their careers are short and you've got to fight for it. But he, he felt it was a lack of ambition in his part, staying in MLS and not going to Europe. But as you say, we just don't know. There might have been something that fell through and then Portland's come in with a good offer. And it's like, well, Pacific Northwest, it's a lovely part of the world. Let, let's just stay here. And, and Greg, I know Greg talking about ambition there too. Well, the dude has won an MLS Cup, right? Like he has an MLS Cup ring. Yeah. Right, so maybe maybe his maybe his priorities have changed a little bit. He's like, okay, I've done that at a, at the at one of the best teams, the most well resourced teams in the league. Now his he wants to challenge to go somewhere where it's going to be a little bit more oh. difficult. Well, he's going to be the fourth addition from the Timbers this off season, and the third Canadian in those four. Which is mm -hmm. I'm not sure what Phil Neville's up to there. I don't know if he thinks he's in the wrong country or. If... Oh, I forgot it was Phil. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's going to hamper everything that Phil yeah, Neville's totally. the head coach. So you can stack that team, but you've still got Phil Neville as your head coach. But James Pentemis, as we talked about, but the other one's a huge one, Kamal Miller, who, if Kamal Miller was available, I'd have loved him here. But you kind of feel for him, he's gone to Orlando, he's had the chance to play with Messi, at least he's played with Messi. He's He could have gone to Europe. But he's committed himself to staying here, and then they trade him to Portland. Yeah, he seems that, happy about the move anyway, but he has yeah, that to say move that. To, that move to Miami and then re-signing with Miami, I think Glass City or someone online was like, oh, that's a bait and switch, right? Are you signing? Yeah, to, yeah. he retweeted Fabian's um, tweet, which basically was just echoing what I was saying. It's, yeah. yeah, he's such a good player, but again, he's had a good landing spot. And it's going to be interesting to see how Portland do this year for sure a, a team in the west that we won't break down right now that have had a very impressive off season so far are the colorado rapids who are making some big moves out there but they do have chris armis as their head coach so again <laughs> it's like it's like portland it's like eeksy peeksy there but we'll get into analyzing all those teams as i say closer to the season the only other move i want to mention is on the east which i don't know if you saw i missed it initially and i just saw it today Ladero has signed with Orlando. Well, I knew he was done in Seattle. I'd seen all the hoopla about that, mm. like the farewells and whatever. I didn't, honestly, when I saw that, I was like, okay, he's going to move on from MLS. But yeah, that's, that's a great yeah. pickup by Orlando. I mean, he is older and whatever, but it, I mean, it, it seems like a very Orlando kind of signing, right? Like a, yeah. uh, a, a, a South American attacking player with a lot well, of Perea's going to get good stuff out of him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's down there with Poppy. Yeah. that. And obviously, they're fighting for the Flor Floridian pride as well. So, I, I, Orlando's a fun team to watch. Oscar Perea's teams are a fun team to watch. If we are, if we're looking for a new head coach here, he's a guy I'd be on the phone to right away to, to see if he wants to come in. But that is it for our MLS chat. We're going to be turning our attentions now to the Whitecaps over the next three parts. And we are going to sit down for a chat with Axel Schuster and also kick off our songs from 1974. We'll be doing it all year long. What's going to kick things off? Find out after this.
Hey, I am Axel Schuster, and I'm listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. If I could save time in a bottle, the first thing that I'd like to do is to save every day till eternity passes away, just to spend them with you. If I could make days last forever. If words could make wishes come true, I'd save every day like a treasure, and then again I would spend them with you. But there never seems to be enough time to do the things you want to do once you find them. I've looked around enough to know. You're the one I want to go through time with. If I had a box just for wishes and dreams that had never come true. The box would be empty, except for the memory of how they were answered by you. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, one hundred one point nine FM, and kicking off this part, we're kicking off our songs to celebrate nineteen seventy four, the Whitecaps' first season. As a football team on the pitch. But as we've talked about, we are going to be celebrating all things 1974 all year long on the AFT and Soccer Show. We're going to be playing a variety of songs along the way. And we're kicking it off with a song there that was number one, the first number one in 1974. American folk singer Jim Croce with his song. Time in a Bottle, taken from his album You Don't Mess Around with Jim. Now, the song was originally released in November. It held the number one single spot for the first two weeks in 1974, kicking the year off. And it's it's a sad story about Jim Croce. I've heard the song when I look to see... I've I've been looking at RPM Weekly, the the Canadian music magazine that was around for a number of years and it's got the number one songs, it's got the, the charts for for every single year, every week. And I wanted to kick off our our songs with the song that was number one in Canada in 1974 and I saw that it was Time in a Bottle by Jim Croce and I was like I don't know that song, uh, I don't know the artist either. Then I listened to the song and I said, oh, I do know that song. Can't for the life of me place how I know that song. I thought I'd heard it in Trigger Happy TV, the, the Channel 4 TV show. Haven't found it in the list of songs that I've looked at that was featured in the show. So 
I've definitely heard it somewhere. I played it. Caitlin had heard the song as well. It was number one in the US. It was number one in Canada. Didn't seem to chart in the UK from what I could find. But Jim Croce was a, an American folk singer that sadly passed away just aged 30. From Philadelphia, but died in a, a plane crash in Louisiana in September 20th, 1973. Himself and five other people perishing when a, a plane that he was on crashed during takeoff on the way to a concert. So, a, a sad, sad tale. Keeping it light to, to kick off our 1974 celebrations. We've got a lot more to come. The number one album in Canada, incidentally, this week was the Steve Miller Band and their album The Joker, which of course has that self-titled song that I'm sure many of you will know. Over in the UK, we were still celebrating Christmas. The number one single this week in the UK in 1974 was Slade and Merry Christmas, everyone, which of course is such an iconic Christmas tune. The number one album in the UK this week back in 1974 was prog rock band Yes and their Tales from the Topographic Oceans. Movie-wise, the number one film in the US and Canada in its second week of release, The Exorcist, that infamous horror movie scares the bejesus out of people even to this very day film that was to stay at number one in the US box office for 12 weeks in total. The number one movie in the UK this week 50 years ago, the Dirty Harry film Magnum Force starring Clint Eastwood. Loved the Dirty Harry series when I was growing up as a kid. Gonna be a fun year, we've got a lot of fun movies to talk about and we'll have another great song from 1974 in next week's show. As much as I would like you to be here for our chat from 50 years ago, you're here for the football chat and we're going to bring you this episode's feature interview now as we sit down with Whitecaps CEO and Sporting Director Axel Schuster for our annual end of season stroke beginning of year chat, the state of the Whitecaps, how they're looking going into 2024 what were the positives and negatives that you can take out of last year? How's the recruitment going? We're going to talk about all of that and a lot more. So go stick the kettle on, grab your biscuit of choice, sit down and enjoy our chat with Axel S. How are you? Do you have a nice New Year and Christmas? Yeah, Happy New Year. Actually, yes, uh, I had. Uh, it's always busy going home once in a year for two two weeks. Everyone wants to see you. You want to get so many things done and then your schedule is really packed. But was good. was quite good. But I, I don't want to look back really on 2023. It's in the past. It's like we're moving forward. We're in the new year. But kind of coming out of 2023 then, what were you most pleased with? What were you most disappointed with from from last year? <laughs> Good question. I was uh, most pleased with with the with the whole. Um, I would say, is it atmosphere? Is it culture? Is it um, 
energy that we had in our group the whole year. Um, we had never not one blow up. We have played so many games. We have been on the road for so such a long time. We had such a crazy schedule. Had so many hurdles to jump over. Uh, we had never had a blow up. No, no one really never freaked out. No one really got shitty. Uh, no one ever has uh, misbehaved. No one ever has has given up in training. We had amazing exit interviews with players that haven't played a lot, and they they said that that the one thing that was outstanding for them was how they got treated, also from the other players. So I'm 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 most proud of that we have managed this year so well as a group, that we that we have protected our group and that we have taken care about those who maybe haven't felt that well or haven't played that much, and then. As a return to that, they have pushed the group and have also helped with good energy in the group. I think that's also the main driver for our success. Um, disappointment. I, I there's one thing that stands out for me, and it's 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 a recurring story now two years in a row, and uh, we have clearly we have spoken about that a lot, and and I hope we have addressed it in the right way is uh, our slow start into the last two seasons. Mm. Um, and it's it's actually even... <laughs> two years ago, it was really bad. And last year, it still was result-wise bad. Uh, if you compare to what we have played then in the season, or what our perform- how, how, what kind of results we have got um, in, um, in average in the season. Although I, I know that our first game against Salt Lake was, was really, really good, and we should have won it. But... It's it's also a fact that we haven't won it, and uh, it's a fact that we um, um, haven't got that. I think in the first five games it was the worst five games of the season, point wise. So it's something we clearly have addressed. Um, also in the preseason, the Champions League maybe helps us, or probably helps us with that having two competition games already very early in the Champions League. Um, and uh, to be better prepared and I, I hope more ready for the MLS season. Um, but yeah, that's that's the one thing that really has disappointed me because I think we have not only we have made a playoff at the end and not only that we could have finished fourth, let's say we win, we get a little bit, a few more points of it and we are fourth. We are maybe even third, second. We're not first, first but, but also the the, the the whole atmosphere that we would have had in town if you would have started well. So imagine we win this Salt Lake game and we win uh, uh, we get a point in San Jose and we win another game then and you would start within in with being in the top four. Um that's 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 also important and for for that reason even more important for me now again next season because we have finished the season in front of thirty thousand people um, the the vibe even after the game, although we lost, it was still good. People were speaking positively about the club. Uh, people have some belief that we are trending in the right direction. Now it is up up to us to prove that right at the beginning of next season, and not again at the end of the season. So because uh, then otherwise we we have to go through it again and have to convince the people again, and people will go away. So and say, oh, this season is not that good, and then only at the end, in the last third of the season, they finally they find out that we are that we are good. So we we have to we have to continue where we have uh, ended last year. I mean, it's all all about taking the next step, and I mean that's what every every club's looking to do: improve on the season before, take that next step. 
I, I think we we all know that the next step for the club is to win a playoff series, go deep, deeper in the playoffs. I mean, what other next steps, what, what does the next step look like to you, just aside from just winning a playoff series? Yeah, look, um, I have to look at it from two sides. The next step could also be just um, to prove again what we have done last season, to finish again in the position where we are, because I would say... <laughs> Going into the playoffs twice uh, and having a performance like we had last year, uh, I think would could also be a next step. Could be consistency. Um, what also would be a good next step. Um, but this is not how you go into a season. That that's now one side of the of the story. That how I look at things. I I I would not say now that the next step could only be finishing higher or winning a playoff series or yeah. whatever. It can. A next step can also proving the, the 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 level that we have shown last year, or proving the, that the performance that we have shown last year is is our basic performance that we can show that consistently over over more than a season. Um, but uh, other than that, obviously, we would like to finish top four. We we thought we have been very close. We could have finished top four this year already. Um, that would be a next step, and I think it would actually. Uh, increase the chances to win a playoff series also because uh, um, then you are seeded differently. Um, it also gives you maybe a chance to have two home playoffs games. Um, we have seen what a home playoff means. Um, other than that, um, I think uh, um, for us, a next step, and that's part of how we can get there, is 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 conceding a le- less goals. I think that yeah. offensively, uh, we have done a huge step forward. We have been one of the best attacking teams last year. Um, and we have done that with at least <laughs> um, uh, not giving up anything of on our defense performance. But our defense performance also the year before was below average or just average in the whole league. And so I think uh, a next step would be to keep the the attacking out output or to keep to keep uh, the level of attacking performance that we had last year and now slowly increasing our defensive performance. Yeah, I mean that's that's fair. I'm always bad for more looking just at the offensive side and I mean defensively the the team did better and like Vanny, when he spoke to Axel this week, had mentioned about the, they're looking to play more, more attacking. They want to be the most offensive team they can. They, he mentioned about having three players playing kind of up, up front or the forward roles, I should say, not up front. Defensively, I've always felt we need a kind of experienced centre back in there just to help. The, the younger guys out, like a, a Chiellini-style kind of figure. Is that something that the club is targeting right now? Yeah, we have. We will continue to, but the problem in our league is with the experienced um, centre-backs is um, they they have still also be on a very, very good um, um, performance level. Um, because most of the clubs invest their big dollars in their DPs in the offense. So if you if you are really experienced and you understand very well the game and you can help the young players next to you, but your your own performance 
your 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 physics and and your one-on-one qualities are not any longer there where they have to be it doesn't help you because then you look really bad mm-hmm. and then 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 all of this experience doesn't help you and we have seen such examples in the league the player came and they had a lot of experience and everyone would say wow they would give something to the locker room but on the pitch they couldn't perform any longer so Kalini is actually he's also he's some form of a unicorn somebody with that age who can play stay still on that level he also has not played all games he has had yeah. to take his pauses um so it's not an easy profile to find because um, there are a lot of experienced old center backs that would like to come to the league um for crazy dollars or for even reasonable dollars but then if you look at their profiles you say oh he has lost the step uh if he get, gets isolated another thing that happens very often in this league more often than in the european leagues that you get isolated and you have to defend in a in a big space one on one and then if not everyone can do this any longer so we continue to look at that um and um we we agree but uh, i agree i agree with you that that could be a piece that helps us a lot but at the end the piece this player has to be that good that 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 he's playing ahead of the other guys and yeah. it cannot be that the other guys then play because they are physically so much better than him so um we will if there's the right one um we will we will definitely go for it <laughs> but uh, if not um we have to defend as a team better and uh I think some more experience will help. Obviously, we also look into how we can deal, um, how we can deal with situations if Kubas cannot play. What always hurt us uh, it's very clear that in all games where Kubas cannot play, the X goal against us is much higher than with him. So we also have to find a better solution how to play without him. He's our DP. And you will not have a second Kubas there, but then you have to have an alternative plan. Um, so that's the other things that we're working on uh, to improve our defense. But I agree if the if there if the one opportunity opportunity comes up and there's the one profile, I don't think there's another Kilini, but somebody who can give us a Kilini like light version, and we will definitely go for it. Yeah, he's certainly a unique player and it was nice at least briefly getting to chat with him last year. So, I mean, that that was a highlight of my my time covering the team. But, I mean, you mentioned Kubis there. Uh, I guess, I I don't know what you can say, but there's all these rumours swirling around in Argentina that there's interest in him and it's understandable that there'd be interest in him. He's a very good player. Do you expect him to be a, a white cap for for this coming season? Yes, absolutely. That's good. Um, and I'm, I'm. There were there were also several several <laughs> really several MLS clubs who told me if the internal transfer market would come that they would try to convince me to sell him. Um, but we will not. We will not. Um, um, we we have said that we uh, we. We do things in in the way we think they are right for us, and we want to build it in our in our idea, and we don't want to walk away from that. And for that reason, we also need to write the piece for us. And we think that with Ryan Gold and with Anders Kubas, we have found the two ideal DPs for the Whitecaps. 
And uh, I know that we, we have done a lot uh, that they feel really good, that their families feel really good. Really good. And I know that Kubas, uh, Kubas told me once, uh, or in the exit meeting, he said, look, my wife is so happy. <laughs> so I... I so I am very happy. So, uh, and and they had this. He had had this um, this experience in France where his wife felt really unhappy yeah. um, with with being there. So, um, I I feel very very confident that uh, he will not knock at my door for um, for whatever offers there might be in Argentina. No one ever has reached out to us, by the way, um, and uh, so I. I I know he 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 loves it to be here and his family to have his family here. He loves also the security of life for his family here. There are a lot of factors, um. So I don't I don't see as long as not Boca Juniors is calling or <laughs> Riverblade, but that's that's for every player. So yeah, um, yeah I'm sure if someone what... comes in with a ten million plus offer, you're you're not going to exactly turn that no, down but, without but... thinking about it. <laughs> I don't see that happening, but I would always say I feel very confident. I say he will play for us next year, other than if this one thing happens. But then, then I tell you that that is the same for every player. Oh yeah. If the if the Rangers if the Rangers tomorrow come and and ask us for Ryan and they make a crazy offer, then I think he will be also gone, and and that that would be that would be what it is. It's it's just uh, the reality the reality of of our of our business, Harry Kane. Also left to Bayern Munich yeah. at some point. Yeah, it's, it's but just... I don't think anyone would have seen that coming. Yeah, so yeah. but I, I would say, please don't sell Ryan to Rangers. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I won't get into that. So, talking to Ryan, his contract's obviously up at the, the end of this year. He is a player you would like to have here beyond to his current deal. I would imagine. So, if if I said before that we think that with uh, Ryan and, and Kubas, we have the two ideal DPs for us. That also means that we would like to keep them as long as possible. And for us, there's no reason to um, f- uh, to let them go at some point. So um, uh, everyone can believe me that we that it's one on uh, one of our priorities to make sure that we not lose our ideal DPs. Um, so said that, yeah, um, I can can. Um, let everyone know that no one has to be concerned that we are not speaking. That's good to hear. I um, I, I, I may as well ask this now as well, since we're on this topic. Richie Larea, obviously his time with the club expired at the end of December. Things are very different at Nottingham Forest now, both on and off the pitch. They've turned things around. They've, they've got a brilliant coach who I'm a big admirer of now in charge. I mean, what what is it looking like with Richie? Are you, are you still in talks with him? Is it still on the table, or are you kind of having to look in different directions now? Because obviously, you can only wait so long. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we can only wait so long, and he can only wait so long. The, the 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 problem is there has been some rumors when we signed him that we will make him a DP, and that the mm. fact is that he cannot be a DP. That's league rules. Um, Although he's not really a free agent, uh, um, for the league he's right now a free agent because uh, his contract with us expired. So, long story short, there are, there are limitations, and in those limitations that we have, what he maxim what the max amount is that he can cost us in the cap, 
it's really difficult to to get this deal right now done because uh, uh, Nottingham uh, is not up to let him for go for nothing. Yeah. So um, that doesn't even mean that he's asking for crazy numbers or that this is him pushing for for unreasonable numbers. It's just the whole package uh, to fit the whole package in what the league allows us to pay. So said that, um, maybe things change at some point when Nottingham finds out that they cannot move him somewhere else and get the dollars and windows closes and, and there is only one remaining market where they can move the player into and that the MLS, then maybe that changes. But right now it, it looks really, really difficult to get that within the numbers that we, we are allowed to pay. Yeah, I think a lot of folk, that makes a lot of sense to them. And I I, I mean, if he'd come as a DP, I'd, I wasn't a huge fan if that was what was going to happen. What I am a huge fan of, though, is the addition that has been made. Demir Krylak, the former RSL captain and cap killer, is now a white cap player. He has been the biggest addition so far in the off-season. So we'll talk about that addition next, but we'll take a little break first. And we'll be back chatting to Axel about a whole lot more Whitecaps FC and bring you the first song from our first Album of the Month here at AFTN after this. Hi, I'm Brian White, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the first song from our first 
album of the month here at AFTN. As I mentioned, we've switched it up from Artist of the Month for this year. Maybe just do it for this year, maybe do it for a couple of years, but what I've wanted to do is pick some of my favourite albums of all time. Albums that a lot of you may not know. You might know the band, you might not know their album because it's an early work or whatever, or you might not know either. I think you might know this band, Manchester band James, them off the famous Sit Down and a lot more beside. That was a song from their debut album Stutter, and it is Stutter that is AFTN's first album of the month, released in 1986. It's a 12-track album. That was the last track on the album, Black Hole. One of the absolute standout tracks from an absolute standout album. It's an album that a lot of people won't know about from the band. They kind of really broke through with their, their third album, Gold Mother, in 1990. They had two albums before that, Strip Mine in 1988 and Stutter, their debut in 1986. And it's a great album. It's an album that the band weren't overly happy with. They weren't happy with the production of it, how some of the songs sounded. So it's not so much that they've disowned it, but they really have stopped playing songs from it a long, long time ago as their their sound kind of moved on. And it, it wasn't a good reflection of them, I think, was the feeling from Tim Booth and the band. I think, though, it is one of their strongest works. The lyrics on it are fantastic. It's just got such a great sound. Black Hole there, a song about how the mind of a person is a person's worst enemy at times. We'll play three more songs from the album over the course of this month. And as I mentioned, you might know the band. We've featured them on Wavelength before with their song Goalie's Ball, a song also that we use in our introduction and outro when we're doing interviews with, with goalkeepers. Goalie's ball, goalie's ball, goalie's got the ball. That one. So, yeah, James, great band. Check out the whole album, Stutter. You can find it on YouTube, Spotify, and all the usual places. I've got it on vinyl. I've got it on CD. Add it to your collection. Give it a listen this month and let me know what you think of it. But we're going to get back to our chat with Axel now. We've chatted about a lot of stuff so far. And we've got a lot more to talk about. So, stick the kettle on again. Grab another biscuit, because you are worth it. And listen to the second part of our chat with Axel S. So, Axel, we mentioned some departures, possible departures in the the last part, the big addition that the club's made so far this off-season. MLS veteran, RSL captain, a man that's really done the damage against the Whitecaps over the years, Croatian midfielder Demir Krylak. Been a big admirer of him since he's come into the league have hated it when he's played against us because of the damage that he does delighted he's now a white cap how how did that come about and how do you see Demir fitting into the, the white cap system first of all I can copy everything you said I, I really was scared when he played us uh, when we played against him uh, I hated him as a player on the opponent team 
and I was really happy if he couldn't play. Um, <laughs> and I have voted for him as as the MVP two years ago um, because I thought that he was the decision maker for uh, Salt Lake, and they uh, ended up to be in the conference final. And I think in the games he didn't play, they were not a conference final team, and the games he played, they they were a team that could make it to the conference final. So. Uh, and this year, I have voted for him. So I'm a huge fan of him. Um, yeah, it's a little bit of a lucky situation. Uh, I know his agent. He he played in Germany, so his agent mm. is uh, uh is located in Germany. I I know know his agent very well, and uh, I met him in Europe. And at some point, I said, "What is he doing?" And he said, "He maybe doesn't stay." I say, "Really?" He said, yeah, he bought a house there, but looks like he's looking for something at this end of the career. And he's still so full of hunger um, that he would like to try out something else. And then that kept in my mind until the point we, we really came to the point that we were allowed to speak with players. And I, I checked in with him, has nothing changed? And he said, oh, there's something has changed. He has told the club that he will not stay there and he wants to go somewhere else. And um, then things went very quickly. We spoke with him and I have to say, uh, Vanny and me, we have been on the call with him. And the hunger in his eyes and, and also this uh, this belief in his, himself is that he had this terrible injury. And uh, he said that normally it takes you as long to come back it takes you as long as you have been out. And he said, that's actually just over. So he said he has no issues. He has done all his rehab on, on turf. He, to, he really convincing. He told us very convincing that turf is not an issue at all for him. I was going to so, ask that. So that's yeah, good yeah, to yeah. hear. We, we, were, we were a little bit scared about that. But he said, look, I had to do my, my, my rehab in winter in Salt Lake. You know how winter is in Salt Lake. And I said, I was always in the indoor dorm that they have uh, with the turf. So I said, that was never a problem for me. Um, so said that he he also has some form of, I would say, swagger in him. Uh, what I also like, what we also need a little bit on the pitch. And he always has shown in the past. And he's a versatile player. He can play as a, he can play as a forward. He can play as one of the number 10s if you play with two number 10s. Um, so it's, it's easy to fit him in. He is also coming. Um, with the right hunger, but also with knowing that he's coming into a good team and that he is at the point of the career where he maybe not will will not start every game. Um, and so we thought that this is a great combination of of things that he can give us. And with us starting so quickly and um, having be have uh, having to be ready very early, um, I think it's good to also add the one or the other player who is already. Uh, familiar with the market and 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 everything so yeah so we're really happy with that because i think he gives us um additional or when he gives additional solutions and possibilities the the free agent market we, we've spoken about this last year it's difficult for for certain clubs to get them because of tax implications else, elsewhere in north america i mean this was a good addition how complete do you feel the squad is just now. I, I mean, I won't get to put a certain number on it because I know fans will then hold that over your head. Or Axel said we're going to add three more, and we've only added two or whatever. But 
are you looking for first kick to have some more additions to the squad? We talked about centre-back. There's the Simon Betcher rumours to, to go to Horsens, which would leave a, a gap up front as well. I mean, are you expecting to be busy in, in the next couple of weeks or are you having to kind of wait to see how things play out? Yeah, it has been busy over the last weeks and it will be busy for the next weeks. Uh, yes, we, we want to add the one or the other two. I would, I don't want to put a number on it. We yeah. want to add more than, than that if, if we find the right players, if they're, if they're good options there on the market. Maybe also the one or the other player still leaves us. And then that opens up new needs. Um, I would say to 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 be ready to play the same amount of games that we have played last year and having um, some depth. Um, other than Damir, we would like to add two more players. Um, and everything else would then be an add-on because there's a gr- there's a great opportunity. Um, and ideally, we get those two players. <laughs> at least while we are in camp in Spain um, to have them with us uh, for the right time in the preseason. Um, it's obviously a little bit easier if they are already in our market or have played in our market and but or they come from another market where adaptation time doesn't take too long. For example, what I can share is that we we in scouting and with our scouting department have said clearly said we will not look for players right now um, that are coming from markets where immigration takes us on work permits take us yeah six eight months uh, weeks <laughs> weeks um, because that will not help us those players will not be there for the start of MLS season if we say the start of MLS season is so important um, then then we have to focus on markets and countries and players from from markets and, and countries and with passports. Um, that that makes them eligible to come into the country immediately and to join our team immediately. So um, and that limits a little bit. On the other side, there are enough markets, and um, we are we we think that we have a group of starters. Um, but um, um, we we know that we need uh, the depth um, to go through this long season with this amount of games. Yeah. Uh, I I had been pushing for the club to sign a, a guy that's a striker with Wimbledon, but he's Iraqi, and considering the issues we had with Ali Adnan before, I, I guess that was a non-starter. Last couple of things. It's a big year for the club. 50th anniversary. What kind of plans do you have in, in store for that? There, There's a great anniversary month, because Messi's obviously, hopefully come into town to play at BC Place in, in May and then you're going to have the anniversary date with Austin as well Seattle had kind of done some kind of retro re-look of their logo and crest and stuff for, for the anniversary what what are the Whitecaps plans to celebrate this 50th year? First of all and that is the the, the main thing that matters for us as a club is, is, uh, is putting a team together and putting a performance on the pitch that makes it fun to watch the team and to support the team and to come to the games um, because <laughs> we can do anniversaries as more as many as we want if the team is not really entertaining we will will still not <laughs> like to come to our anniversary games or the month of anniversary um, other than that I think the club also uh, wants to do the next step of how he connects with the community and and what kind of projects really matter for the club in the community. 
Um, we have a little bit delayed through COVID, but now we have started some of those campaigns and we have opened a lot of mini pitches in, in British Columbia uh, in indigenous communities. We will do more. We will we will be very clear about our strategy and about our our main aims on that side. Uh, we will also add a few other community games. Uh, you know that we have connected with the Indian community very well over the last years, but there are other important communities in uh, in in British Columbia that we want to connect with. Um, I think people, the, the 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 thing that people can expect from us is that um, now with last year, feeling like we really went through all the challenges of the last years, including COVID mainly, but also of some of the others that I had to deal with. Unfortunately, um, I think that we we now um, feel that we have all the people in place, also on the business side, uh, also on the community side, that we can do what we originally wanted to do already two years ago, um, to, to, to clearly um, show that we want to be um, the club of Vancouver, the, the club of British Columbia, the club for the people in 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 uh, in British Columbia and Vancouver. Um, so, um, and uh, I think a lot of the things that we do around the 50th anniversary will not be games, will be more community programs and such things. We want to find a way to make soccer more accessible for, for kids from underprivileged uh, communities because we know and we have seen and we have proofs in our organization that players can come from, top players can come from those uh, communities. Ali Ahmed is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. So we 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 want um, to make this a community club <laughs> and we want to open our doors um, for, for everyone in the community. And uh, I think that that matters for us far more than all celebrations and is Messi coming to town. It's a nice thing. Don't get me wrong. I said it that the world, the world best player, is coming to Vancouver and playing in our stadium. It's great that you can see him um, once, maybe in your life. It's great, um, but um, if you speak about fifty years of Vancouver uh, Whitecaps and about the next fifty years, there are far that th there are far bigger things and other things that matter for us. Yeah, I mean we've played Pele and Beckenbauer and folk like that in the past, so. Um... I have an an idea to pitch to you quickly at the end when we've stopped recording, but I'll come to that. So two things finally. So obviously Messi is coming to BC Place. We saw the stadium opened for the LAFC game. I think the expectation is it's going to open up. Is that going to be a, a gradual sort of sale of the tickets so that you, you, you monitor them, you know exactly where things are going? And just a general BC Place question... The Tigris game had to get moved, obviously, because of the other thing. There's not exactly a lot of other options for you, but do you see BC Place continuing to, to be the long-term home for the club, or would you like the club to explore options to try and get a, a soccer-specific stadium somewhere? that you, When you look at St. Louis, Cincinnati, Columbus, and just how special and magical those atmospheres are? No. Uh, 
I, I don't want to compare uh, our, our scenario with what we have in St. Louis or Austin because a lot of things are different there. They are brand new franchises and um, expansion teams. So we are there, one of the old animals in this business. So <laughs> 50 years, not so many soccer clubs after 50 years. We won a, we won a North American championship. Uh, 79 so none, no one was speaking about Austin FC or St. Louis at that time so um, no look uh, I, sometimes like you go to sometimes it's with me like you go to a stadium and say oh Cincinnati or St. Louis or Austin feels like great atmosphere and then I go to Seattle and say wow mm. also in a big stadium the atmosphere can be great if you go to Atlanta if you get to Charlotte uh, Charlotte is doing a really good job in a big building um, so so then I say, think, look, <laughs> why should we limit ourselves to 18,000, 19,000? What literally is then the number of Austin or, or, or St. Louis or Minnesota has, I think, 18,000. 18, it's a really nice stadium, Allianz um, Field. Um, and would you say, uh, if somebody would tell me, hey, but Allianz Field in Minnesota, if you would have that stadium in, in Vancouver, would that not be great? And honestly, I would say it's too small. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a fact. That's a fact. So we had 30,000. We had 30,000 uh, plus in the stadium uh, against LAFC. You don't fit 30,000 plus in St. Louis Stadium or uh, Austin Stadium. So I think there is still <laughs> uh, there is still also a possibility to to make our stadium a huge experience and atmosphere, uh, huge, huge um castle or uh for us fortress fortress uh, fortress yeah fortress for us um it's it's up to us um to as i said before to prove that that we are heading in the right direction that we are improving um and in, if improving only means that we continue to play play that way of exciting soccer that we have played last year uh and we consistently show that uh, even if we move players in and out that we can build a sustainable product here um, and then we can add other things around that and then it's maybe a 50th anniversary it is a messy game um, it's uh, it's a real home opener home openers have always been big in in our in our stadium since I'm here so yeah. so it's it's up to us to to make the home opener big we have a real home opener uh, luckily we were not supposed to have one but because we have a buy at the first Weekend, we have a real hope over there. So um, make it big, bring in uh, a huge crowd and, and get a result. And then things can go automatically uh, from there. Um, if I go to Toronto and see their numbers, why we should not have those numbers in Vancouver? Our stadium is far better. So And we, we showed a better performance over many years now. So why should that not be possible in Vancouver? Um, but uh, we know, we knew with all, all the things that happened before arrived to the club, we knew that it will take time. People will be skeptical. We will not get the benefit of the doubt. People will say, yeah, nah, I heard they won two games in a row, but I don't trust it. So I think <laughs> um, we, we actually have a really good role model in our city, how to start into a season. So let's do it like the Canucks. Let's do it like the Canucks. Uh, why not? Uh, why not turning around things and having super successful sports teams in Vancouver? So, if we're super successful this year, and we're in the MLS Cup, and we're the top seed, 
We can't play at BC Place because Taylor Swift has a concert that weekend. What would happen? You know, that for now would be my last problem. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I really first would like to get there. And then, then, we, then we figure out what to do. Um, it's not like that all the other stadiums are always available. So um, there are NFL stadiums. The league is, has had to move around things also yeah. in the past. Look, let's let's get into a cup final and being the top seed. That's fair. And then then solve that problem. Um, I I'm I'm pretty sure we will find a solution for that if uh, if we get there. But uh, it, I I said already to many that uh, if you really want to create us problems, then do that, and I mean that <laughs> in a positive way. So I would like to have some problems. Very last thing, Germany, Scotland, and the Euros. How worried are you? <laughs> How worried you know, are you that Ryan's going to come in the squad and score? Yeah, I will take that. Uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan at the Euros and and scoring the winning goal against Germany, I take that. Uh, I think Germany. You never know with them. It's it's a it's a, it's 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 one of those teams that you normally don't like to play because they are some form of a unpredictable thing. Yeah, um, they they have had really really bad performances. But they also had some outstanding performances. So they have still the quality, but right now they have not the, the team together really. Um, it's not it's not the right. They don't have the right synergies in the team. Um, but it's at home, and things can develop. Germany has proven that very often in, in tournaments, having a bad start, a bad game, and. Um, there are a lot of stories around the World Cups, even when they won. Not the last one. The last one we won, we won every single game. But the World Cups before we won, we actually started mostly bad into World Cups. So, um, 74 at home was a, was actually terrible how we started. We were almost kicked out by the, the, the Eastern Germany part. So, um, and uh, 82, when we went to the final, there was this shitty 1-0 against Austria that kicked out uh, Algeria. Because it was oh, like yes, almost I a remember that very yeah. well. <laughs> so Germany has some really, really uh, uh, historical uh, 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 games or experiences of of being very bad at the beginning of tournaments. So, uh, so I, I would never crossed. underestimate. <laughs> yeah, I would never underestimate them. But look, we can go both through the roof stage. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll take that. <laughs> I take that. Thank you for your time as always, Axel. It's always been a pleasure to, to chat with you. And yeah, good luck for the season ahead. And I look forward to chatting to you this year. Thank you very much. Speak soon. Cheers. Cheers. Axel Schuster there talking all things Whitecaps. A lot of stuff to come out of that. We're going to unpack some of it in our next part. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, guys. It's Rishi. You're listening to AFTN Soccer Show. Yo, what do you expect? Expecting safer bars like outside the bars. How they handle bars and recycle parts. I know the type like that. They be typing that. And their phones hold it open and recite it back. And yeah, I'm not like that. Tied in knots with that. Aim high. You can risk it. Fault of death, nah man, just a cut and strip crap My diagnosis is I 
and mine It's so constantly play to make bars work Never done bar work But pouring up my spirit like when anyone asks for high Bottle up or bottoms up standard Star sign cancer, hits a crabby bastard Getting better in your old age where Nah, I'm just a realist and the realist you've heard If something on my nerves, I don't swear I serve Plus I like using adjectives, nouns and verbs I'm not adverse to a little criticism in verse But I'm not versus you, it's just things in my head I think it's all for the best to get it off of my chest And have a mic so I might as well record what I said but nothing's expected, I've accepted neglected But I'm not saying you shouldn't aim for the best mate Just record plays and industry has never affected me Plus, I never really suited a suit If one's due, I end up with that court date look Look, I love gigs making cash for tunes But don't assume that's the point I got in this booth I seek an art form for outlet, a platform too Created one for the borough, I push all you truth Food for thought, fed my thoughts, put myself to good But in the end, what do you do when it all comes true? I'm not complaining, I'm just dating and slaying the wings same above what I'm doing, but bearings must be using cranes. All that word plays pain, plus some tracks are off pain, like a Scott Rail train. Any caring is over, gonna eat me again and start drinking cola. And fuck solar, put coal in your motor, pour oil in the ocean and deep fry cannabola. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our good friend Word SOS from Edinburgh, Scotland. And a song originally recorded in 2020, but it was an unreleased track. And it came out in November before his new album dropped. But Dr. I Am Pagliacci, this song doesn't feature on it, but he put the video out that they made in 2020... I went back and forth on this because it had been unreleased and it came out in 2023. Could I have put it in my Festive 15? And then I decided not to, but it would certainly have been very high up, probably top five if I had decided to that it met the criteria. So I wanted to play it on the show anyway this week. If you're disappointed that Michael didn't include it in his Festive 15, please make sure to email or, or, or tweet at him. Of course. But the song is called Deep Fried Canaloa, featuring Big Tash, and the beat in it is all beatbox as well. So, fantastic song, Word SOS, check out all his stuff on Bandcamp and all the usual places. So, in this part, we're going to unpack a little bit of what Axel Schuster said there in parts two and part three, and some good stuff there. From Axel, always appreciate the generous time that he had. Generous? I don't know why I said it like that. Always appreciate the generosity, I think is what I was trying to say, of his time. He's always very good and happy to chat about things with us. And moving into 2024, Zaki said it's not just about making the playoffs to be successful. Mm -hmm. Success is the atmosphere, the culture, the energy in the group, at the club, in the stands. I've got to say, in all my years around the team, this past season, this felt like one of the best squads, one of the best groups. It was a close-knit group. It felt like a a group that had good character in it as well. Very likeable players and a Whitecaps team that you're, you're really cheering for them and you're really cheering for the players individually. Yeah, what are they going to do now, though, with no Rusty in this playing squad? That makes it even better, some may say. 
I didn't ask Axel actually uh, about, about Rusty because I was yeah. running out of time and uh, I knew that JJ had spoken to him and JJ obviously asked about Rusty and if anyone hasn't seen that. Yeah, oh yeah, I still read the article, yeah. Tybert has been offered a non-playing role at the club and it's basically the ball's in Rusty's court if he wants to accept it or if he feels that he can still play. So I guess he's going to wait to see if offers come along, maybe from CPL, maybe from within MLS, but we don't know what that role is at the club. If I were him, I, I would take it, but as a player, it's hard to hang the boots up. But he's I mean, only you could 31, al- right? Yeah, I mean, you could also have him just throw this idea out there as a, an overage League One team player and like what he could then share with the young guys coming through and yeah, following in his footsteps I'm not sure he would want to do that but it's like I think that would I, be I, a nice thing for him to do in one sense I'll be a little disappointed if he doesn't um, try and play football somewhere else whether it's I think CPL, it is he probably should oh he should it'll be a little disappointing if he's like oh I'm going to take a non-playing job with, with the Whitecaps like yeah it, yeah, it seems that seems like a, a bit of a waste. But the, the Whitecaps have done good by him, I feel, by making that offer. And it's like, look, if you can't get anything, we've got this role here for you. If you want to go and play, good luck to you. But your future is not here. Which is I the just right, right thing to be made. But here's the thing: I hope it's like a legitimate thing, right? Like when Jay Demerit left in the middle of the season because of his injury, right? That allowed them to bring in Kendall or whatever. I think what he got paid out for the rest of the season was something. But I think the next year. They offered him money to be like an ambassador type role, but it was like an embarrassing offer. Like the person who offered it to him was like embarrassed to, to have to bring him the financial terms of the offer, right? But you also have to remember this is a way different club now and it's run. No, no, I no, no, I, I agree. I agree. I just hope that this is one of the ways that yeah. they've improved. Especially for Rusty's sake. Getting into some of what Axel said there. I think echoing us and the fan base, disappointed with the slow starts for the past two seasons. So mm-hmm. much was made of it at the end of 2022 that we can't have that in 2023. We've got to get off to a fast start. They went to Marbella to try and get the best prep. They went down to the Coachella tournament. They did everything right, but yet they still had that slow start. And in part, it was because Ryan Gold wasn't firing on all cylinders. Brian mm-hmm. White came into the camp with an injury. Cordova hadn't settled fully into the team, so everything was still integrating. Their top players weren't performing. And it's hard to just flick a switch and start the season. Yeah. But We talked we talk about the reference last time. Gold took one or two knocks to his melon, yeah. which really put him, put him off. Yeah. And... This year, like last year, they've got the Champions League, Champions mm-hmm. Cup as it is now, to which will hopefully get them prepared for it. But then we did have that last year. They're off to Marbella again. And Vanny, when he spoke to JJ Adams at the province, had said the, the Tigris game, it's going to be a case of whoever's ready will start. It could be the lemon, he said, that many people think it is going to be or it could be a great performance, and we don't know. And they've nothing to lose in that game, really, because I don't think anyone's expecting them to get anything out of it. But that I, in I, itself is going to be a good test for them. I enjoy a good lemon and lemonade. And yeah, lem- I, lemon I love things. lemon stuff. 
But Real España last year maybe wasn't the best right. top test to get them ready for the MLS season. Tigris will be. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting, but Axel did make a good point. They, they lost that opener to RSL. And if they had won that, the atmosphere in the town and around the club would have been stronger. They would have started off in the top four. They'd have had something to defend, something to try and get going over the, the rest of the season. And we, we know what Vancouver's like. We see it with the Canucks this season. The team's yeah, he referenced well. the Canucks. Yeah, but I mean, it's true though. Like, the Canucks are doing well, or the Lions are doing well. There's all this hype about them. They're in all the media. There's a big buzz about the town. We saw it with the Whitecaps towards the end of the season, the LAFC game, all the fans coming out. It is a kind of town that rides with the, the flow. I don't want to say bandwagon, but it just but, it rides with momentum. It rides with the good times. Okay. I don't disagree with any of that. And he did talk about the ice hockey team and their good start of the year and how that helped them. I don't know if you, I don't know if you can totally lump what the Lions did in with that. Now the Lions, I think they did well. I, I don't follow the pigskin. Yeah, they, I think they, they did had well. a, they had but, a good season. They had the, good crowds, but they had to work hard for it, and it was a struggle. And they had to put concerts on. And well, that's the thing. Though. But they had new the ownership. Bu- the buzz, and, the well, yeah, the new ownership and the buzz that was created from, uh, from their marketing efforts from their whatever like that's what helped the lions get more people on the ground that's what got them off to the good start of the season right when and what was it they brought in ll cool j to start the season it was the, the big ladies day. love cool j exactly so it wasn't for it my, it was my limited understanding and pers- perspective of the of the um that part of the uh sporting landscape in the lower mainland that was to me, I would say that was not as much results driven. There was like a buzz for like weeks leading up to that of LL Cool J is coming. And it got a certain demographic of people, of you know, people of a certain age excited to to go there and to take in the game. And I think that built the momentum. Mm-hmm. So all, all I would say is yes, the on field and doing well is huge for sure. But I think it's also what you do, how you market, how you engage the community, and and uh, getting creative or whatever. Maybe you say L Cool J is not that creative, but whatever. Getting creative and trying to get people in. Well, right? I mean, that's exactly why I pitched him having ice peak in for the home opener, and we'll get a, a whole new goth crowd that we've never attracted to Whitecaps games before. Have a black black away kit, and it's like we are sorted. There you go. I'll be a happy bunny. But, I mean, Axel did talk, though, about the importance of getting that right off the pitch as well. And he did talk a lot when we talked about the 50th anniversary stuff. Right. That it's not necessarily going to be, like, on-pitch stuff that's going to be the big, but it's getting into the communities and getting into the different kinds of communities and just spreading the word. So I think they are planning to do a lot of that, which they, they need to do. But did he also say, though, they haven't done all the stuff for that yet? Kind of like... Yeah. Like... I can't remember, because I thought he said, yeah, we've done the initial stuff, but there's more, or there's... Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, there's going to be... Plus, I think for them, for them, actually, you could say their big thing, actually, forget about everything else. I know you talked to them about it, is is the, you know, the Argentines coming, right? Like, that. Yeah. that is their big... Messi coming to town in May, which is also their 50th anniversary month. Yeah. The marketing around that and the buzz around that could be massive. Because yeah, that's what it'll be for them. Canucks could still be playing, but 
there's a good chance that they could be the only ticket in town. The Canucks, the way that they're going, probably will. You would imagine or hope that they're mm. still going to be playing in May. But when Messi comes, maybe not, depending on, on how things go. But it's certainly, that's a big buzz, and that really helps them. And I think because it is their 50th anniversary year, that is probably one of the reasons why they've got that that match. It was interesting, I saw this week Dallas are playing Inter-Miami in a preseason friendly at the Cotton Bowl. Mm. So this is a way to get him to the other markets that's not league games, because yeah. you'll still get the fans out. Yeah, and pack the stadiums and stuff, and they get to see it, and it grows the league and the buzz and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But I mean, they know that they need to do that. They want to get into different kinds of communities, and they spoke that they've done well with the the Indian South Asian community, and they want to expand on that as well. So, I mean, as we know from Vancouver FC, put a lot of effort into trying to get into different communities, and it's not always easy to do that. And it helps if it's a winning team on the pitch. Yep. And for the Whitecaps, it's all about the next step now. And everyone knows the next step, playing-wise, is to win a playoff series. That It's like, go deeper in the playoffs. That's clearly a next step. For, yeah, that's what I was going to say, a next step, because he talked about that's not the only yeah. next step. And it's him. not. Which, which I mean, is good. Which is good yeah. to hear him say that. Because I think it has been a case of, playoffs are bust far too often before when we've talked about it we've done it on this show uh, Bobby's talked about it before, coaches have talked about it before and that's what all the focus is on but it isn't just about that because it's like they've had a good 2023 so success is being at least as good winning a Canadian Championship, a three-peat getting into the, the Champions Cup again getting into the playoffs again, good finisher in the league. All those things is a successful season and it's matching what they've done. And that is a step in a way because you're repeating it, which we haven't been good at doing. And Axel talked about consistency and that's in two things. It's consistency on the pitch and games week to week, but it's also consistency season to season that you're not doing well and then taking a backward step which I think the Whitecaps have done far too often over the years. Yeah. He also rightly says that it's like if you have a top four finish in the league and that's one of your goals to be top four, that is likely to lead to a playoff success because you're going to be a higher seed. You're going to potentially have an easier game, potentially if it's still best of three, two home games. And, and all that kind of stuff. So it all goes hand in hand. But to mm -hmm. get there, we have to keep the same offensive output, which is asking a lot of Brian White and Ryan Gall to have career years again. And they were both excellent in 2023. They've got a little bit of help in Krylak coming in. But mm -hmm. they also have to be better defensively as well. And I we talked there about getting an experienced centre-back in. And like a, a Chiellini light, for want of a better phrase. I quite liked that, and I know what he meant, and I hope folk don't use that in a certain way. But it is that kind of player, because there's not many players like Chiellini around, and I love that he describes him as a unicorn. And yeah. it's like, he is a special kind of player. But you want that veteran that can still perform. 
and be the leader in the locker room. And as he's talked about there, sometimes you can get one and not the other. Not the other, yeah. And the ones that can do both, most of them are wanting a high ticket to come into the league. Yeah. And then you're giving a high ticket to an older guy. Some, though, do want to just come over and experience MLS. Probably some of them experience the lifestyle. Some will want to give back as well. But they might be able to give back in the locker room, but can they do it on the pitch? Because there isn't any point in bringing over a, a guy that's maybe going to be the number three in the picking order and he's going to be behind Blackman and Ranko. Is that necessarily going to help them be better defensively? Yeah, there's a lot of things they need to do. There's some gaps they need to fill. I liked how you talked to him a lot about this. Yeah, the, the, the important, I like how he yeah, said that one of the goals needs to be to allow less goals, right? Like if if they can maintain or keep going in the direction they're going offensively, which again, I think was quite exciting for most people. Um, it's just cleaning things up at the back. Yeah. And he wants the team to be entertaining, and they certainly were last year. Yeah, but oh, yeah. They, they have to tidy it up. And as I always like, say, and I know it's obvious, but it's like you keep a clean sheet, you've got at least a point. Like for you, Michael, not even a, a debate, right? The most exciting side in MLS era. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there were flashes of teams in the Robo era, but yeah, I mean, so, yeah. you, you oh, talk, sure. talk about Vanny's team not being consistent. They are, on the whole, consistently entertaining. Yeah, and they play an attractive style of football that, for the casual, I, I think someone would come along and, and enjoy the majority of, of of the games at BC Place. They they definitely have to add for me a centre back, but they also have to add a forward. And like Asso's looking to, I didn't want him to give a number per se because folk will say, well, Axel said on the AFTN show that they had two or three pieces and they haven't done that. But he did say ideally two pieces. Yeah. And you have to think centre-back and forward, especially yeah. with the news that came out this week. Somewhat surprising in a way, Simon Betcher looks set to be heading to Denmark with tier two side Horsens for a, a deal that would be worth 400,000 US, according to reports, and the Whitecaps would retain a, a sell-on fee, which they've been very good at getting uh, under Axel and, and his moves there. Now, I it's a great move. It's a great deal. Um, yeah, you, you bite your hand off if someone wants to give you 400k for a player. I know in the grand market scheme of transfers, 400k is nothing. It's a drop in the ocean. But for, for MLS, for the Whitecaps, it's a good deal. Simon Betcher wasn't getting playing time. I was wanting yeah. to ask Vanny, and I had forgotten, uh, and I was going to mention to Axel about why was that the case, but if he's moving on, no point dwelling on that too much. But part of me also thinks 400k isn't a lot. Could he, have, could he stay, break into the team, and be that guy that uh, on their predictions last week I, I hoped he could maybe be but for Simon, it's a great move for him. Great opportunity. Yeah, I think it's the the best of both worlds for for the club and for the player, right? Like he's going to get a, a different opportunity where he's likely to be. Uh, I would imagine in the second division in Denmark, be a go to starter, 
right? Or at least be yeah. given that opportunity. You would hope so. Especially if they're spending money on him. I mean, um, see what he can do. Yeah, and then the Whitecaps are getting, he was a draft pick, right? So they're getting yep. 400K for, you know, for a player that they have, by how Vanny's used to him, don't think he's good enough to make the breakthrough yet, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so... Not He's not going to dislodge Brian White at this point. And if you're playing no. with a one striker, it's like... No. Yeah. yeah. So, and you've got Krylak off yeah. the bench. So, yeah. push down a bit more. I mean, it's sad to see him go really like Simon. We've chatted to him a lot in his time here. And hopefully once he settles there, we'll kind of reach out and maybe have a, a little chat with him as well. But him and his family, his family have been good on Twitter and interacting and stuff. I'm sure they listen to the show and stuff as well. So wish Simon all the very, very best. It reminds me a lot of the Theo Bear kind of situation a few years back where it's like you weren't going to get that playing time, so you kind of have to move on. And Theo struggled a bit at first, but he's starting to find his feet now with Motherwell, just made the the SPFL Team of the Week as well. And... Was that was that for last week's show where he had the brace and the yeah and the and they, assist and assist, but he also scored the next game as well. So he's he's yeah. on a little bit of a tear. But now it's the the winter break in Scotland. Was the one he scored the week after? Was it as good as the chip he scored? No, that that was a that, that was a nice was little goal. Quite a nice goal. But yeah, I hope to I'll get in touch with Theo actually, and we'll we'll get him on the show and see how life is treating him in Scotland. Some players though that don't look like they're going anywhere from a good point of view. Two of our DPs, Andrew Kubis and Ryan Gold. So th- there's been yeah. all these rumours swirling about Kubis. Yeah. That's the best kind of rumours, the ones that swirl. Yeah. Okay, so but, are not one... It isn't... Am I, did I misread things? Wasn't not one of the sides that was rumoured to be interested in him, Boca Juniors? Yes. So because... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's things like... Yeah, if someone offers you crazy money, then you have to consider it. Or if it's like a club like Boca, Boca Juniors, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did think that. But, I mean, that makes sense. If it's Boca or River Plate that's coming in with a $10 million bid, you're going to listen. But the thing is, although they've been rumoured, Axel mentioned there, no one's actually approached the club about it. And we see this a lot in South America. There's a lot of media scuttlebutt to try and drive up interest perhaps in a player, maybe coming from agents, maybe coming from journalists, whatever. And he's a good player. But it's not just that that you take into account. So Axel's basically said, barring a big move, he's not going anywhere. He's going to be a Whitecaps player this year, and that is music to our ears. And when I tweeted that out on Friday as a little teaser for the show, folk were delighted yeah, that that is the case. It was one of the, to me, one of the nicest, or not nicest, but one of the encouraging things that he said there was the two about how Kubis, his wife, both of them, their family, whatever, didn't settle well in France. And yes, he settled very well in Vancouver. Yeah, and ha- happy really wife, happy Vancouver. life is the is the old saying. But I mean, genuinely, a happy family life. If you've got that, you'll settle. And if you haven't got yeah. that. And we saw it with Diber Caicedo, he couldn't get his family here, so he was unsettled and yeah. various stuff like that. But they love it here. And they, I, I believe they spent Christmas here or 
I think they came back for Christmas. So if you're doing that, you, you love it. They've been up to Whistler recently. If you look at their Instagram and stuff and they get out and they seem to really love it in the city and it's security, safety. That stuff that I, I think people in countries like Canada, America, the UK, maybe take a bit for granted. For granted, yeah. The, it's like we, we live in, on the whole, safe countries. And yeah, he could still go if there's a big offer. A, an interesting thing that Axel said there, because he's mentioned this before, that there's players that the Whitecaps have that MLS teams are interested in, and Kubis is clearly one of them. And he did say if there was an internal transfer market in MLS, clubs have said to him, or oh, we'd make a play for him. So basically, if it was an open transfer market like Europe, you'd have LAFC going, okay, we're bidding you this, we want him. And for all the the crap that goes on in MLS with all the stupid mechanisms and mm. garber box and stuff, it's actually good from a White Cat's point of view that there isn't an open internal market because our best players would be picked off left, right and centre. And we'd always be down the bottom struggling until we develop the next one, then he gets picked off. Yeah, you're probably not wrong. Part of me, though, would like to see it. Yeah. So that if we had an ownership group that said, we want to make that play for Johnny Russell to keep Michael happy, <laughs> that they did something like that. <laughs> but we've got Ryan Gold. He's better than Johnny Russell. And Ryan Gold, another thing that there was rumours that there hadn't been talks to extend his contract with the club and actually said there, hey, talks have taken place. And again, music to everyone's ears. Axel feels Ryan Gold, Andrews Kubis are the ideal DPs for the club and the Whitecaps needs. And it's hard to disagree with that. It's like they they fit the mould. They're performing players at a good money. And we're not going to go out and spend 10, 15, 20 million on, on, on some players They've done well for us, and it's great that hopefully we can both keep them here long term. Yeah, I think every Whitecaps fan will be happy to hear him say, yeah, basically they have no desire to ever move these players on. Like they want yeah. them here for as long as possible. But I mean, Ryan, he's got options, and he might want to give it another crack at Europe. And as uh, as Axel said, a club like Rangers could come in, and we shut that down very quickly. He's not going there. East Fife, different story. But a player that doesn't look like it's going to be a white cap for 2024, though, is Richie Larea. And JJ spoke to Axel as well on Friday as myself. And if you've read JJ's piece and then you heard Axel there, basically, it's not looking likely that Richie's coming back. His wife, I think, on Instagram had basically said, looking forward to what the next adventure would be, to paraphrase. But as Axel said, all parties in this can only wait so long and you've got to move on you can't wait to see if he's going to come at the end of the month where there's other targets that you kind of want in for the Tigers game and in preparation for the season and there's these limitations which I've looked a little bit into because I was a bit confused when Axel said this to me and also he said it to JJ as well but Richie can't be a DP here because of the league rules that he's a free agent, even though he's not a free agent, because of how MLS class free agents. And because he was he was a below TAM threshold player, he also can't be a DP. 
Yeah, it was really interesting to hear him talk about that and say, you know, oh, when when the deal was done to bring him here, they couldn't work things out then because of the limited the limited amount of time before the window closed. And then how he was like, as soon as people were talking about him possibly being a DP here, he's like, no, like so he knew he knew that well that wasn't a possibility when it happened. I, I kind of wish they had squelched that fire earlier. Which they... Yeah, I think it would have been good. Um, but, but I'm glad but he said it now. It's, it's, yeah, and it, it's like we've looked into it now and other folk have as well. And it's what the, what MLS, like it seems stupid, but part of it makes sense. And they don't want a DP at one club to let his contract wind down and become a free agent and then just move to another club as a DP. And they don't want players that's like Tam to or below Tam to be like, okay, I'm just going to ride my time out and then I know I'll get a better deal as a DP somewhere. Because they're wanting to attract new DPs and players of that quality to the league. So, I mean, that does make sense. Astro said he's not asking for crazy numbers, no. but it's the whole package that comes with it because they have yeah. to pay the transfer fee to Forrest. And it's it's up to Forrest now if they can move him before the end of the month because they want a transfer fee and they kind of mm-hmm. need a transfer fee because I don't know if you heard the news that kind of came out this week Forrest are one of the teams that might now be in trouble following Everton and getting a financial fair play uh, penalty the the clubs that's getting investigated are getting announced on January 14th and they'll be investigated and a decision made by the end of April so that any points deduction at that point can come before the end of the season. You kind of wish it would be quicker, but Forest are one of these teams. Now, getting money in now doesn't help them, but if they get a points deduction and relegation, they need money in to fight next year in the championship. They have turned things around. They've got a great manager in charge now, but it's going to be an interesting one. But if Forest can't sell him, the transfer windows close in a lot of places, so MLS might be the only option. Would they be happy to another have another loan? Maybe. Would they want to sell it to MLS? Probably. Would a club like TFC be interested? You'd imagine definitely. Yeah. So there's a lot up in the air, but the Whitecaps can't just hang around for weeks. No. It's a shame for Richie as well, because he's kind of a bit in limbo. Yeah. His fans are partially tied in all of this. So, yeah, again, I don't think anyone, I think at the time we said, it, I, I said it wouldn't be surprised that he's not here, right? Like back as a, yeah. uh, after this initial initial loan deal. Um, Axel's right. Yeah, they need to have the, I mean, they want, because they want to get off to a good start, they want to have all their, their pieces in place. So they want, they want, they don't want to be holding on to salary budget and roster spots and whatever until the till the last minute right they want to come out of the gates flying so i i don't i don't uh i wouldn't um hold it against axel you know for if they if he's not able to no i don't this, i don't blame axel for this i don't blame richie for this i don't even no. blame forrest for this it's just an unfortunate situation yeah and it's like Richie's I can see the worst can, impacted because it's like he can't plan for the future. His family can't plan for the future. No. You know that fans are going to be choked though if he ends up in Toronto. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I'd I'd be pissed off by that, but I mean, yeah, 
it, it is what it is, and we he did he gave us all in the jersey. So so Michael, it, it, it with him not that chat with him not back then, because uh, I think JJ talked about this in his article, right? Then you only have Sam, Luis yeah. Martins, and Ryan Raposa as your yeah. I backs. think that that's concerning. If no? you're looking at th- bringing three additions in, centre back, forward, and a Larea replacement. A right wing back, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it, they could be fo- also move on from the club as well, Axel kind of said. So, I mean, they do expect to be busy over the coming weeks, so it's going to be interesting. The one player that has come in, of course, is Demir Krylak, and it was great to hear mm-hmm. Axel there talk about how it all came about. Yeah. And, I mean, we'd mentioned the, the Union Berlin aspect of it, and obviously with having a German agent, Axel knows it, and just said, oh, what's happening with them? Perfect timing. And what was particularly pleasing to hear is yes. Krylak is keen to go. He's rehabbed on turf. He yeah. says turf's no issue to this injury. He's excited to be here. He's hungry. He's got the fire back. He talked about last season. It wasn't a great season. But Demir basically says, look, this is an injury that can take as long to recover from as you're out from. So now he's ready to go for this season. And that, to me, just gave me a lot more excitement than I already well, had for this, which was quite high. It was music to everyone's ears when, yeah. when Maxwell said, yeah, he did all his rehab on a, a domed turf pitch in Salt Lake. Yeah. yeah, it's like great. And yeah, I can't wait to see him in, in Whitecaps colours. And we hope to have him uh, on the show maybe next week. We hope to maybe get a chat with Demir this week and we'll bring you that next week just to look over his career and various things. But we've got an email from longtime listener and supporter Julian Dierks. I want to pronounce it. I'm sorry, Julian, if I've murdered your name. He sent us this email. He was in Berlin. Um, he's a longtime resident of Vancouver from Berlin. And he says, here in Berlin, I support Union. And uh, he's a... Um, it's a member, it's an anti-fascist fan club. Life in the club and at the stadium is amazing wherever I can make it over there. I was delighted to hear your discussion of Demir Krylak. We'll be welcoming him with a hearty football goat after his name is read at BC Place. Yeah, you, you pronounced that wrong. Did I? Yeah. It's football got. Ah. It means football god. It's it's traditional in, Ger- in Germany. I knew it meant god, but I, I, but I thought god. Got, yeah. No, got uh, the the um, most clubs. Not most clubs. A bunch of clubs. Some clubs they'll have like every season they'll have a player that that, that they do it for. So when I was when I first started, uh, the first player I remember for Bayern I think was Carsten Car- Car- Yanker. I think they called him Fußball Gott, right? Because big, tall, bald-headed center forward. Uh, later, they called him Nultor Yank- Yanker, which was unfortunate. Or that's what the opponents called him. No, no goals, Yanker. <laughs> yeah, that, but, um, that, that's not a, a nickname you want. <laughs> no, but no, it's so there are a few no goals wankers in the, here. It's in the years, pre but... the pre the pre game you know lineup. When oh, the, right. When the announcers announcing the thing, they'll they would say uh, the number nineteen Karsten in the crowd would yank would yell Yanker Fußball got. So he's saying, hey, let's get that to catch on in a BC place. There you go. Last thing, really, just from from the chat is I asked him about BC place and yeah, Taylor Swift. It would be a headache he would love to have. Yeah. 
I mean, they could always move it to the the Monday or the Tuesday if we are hosting. Well, he did say he said MLS has because they know their some of their facilities yeah. have other things they have had to have been flexible. I'd imagine it would be the Tuesday because she's there the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So you'd need the Monday for breaking everything down and stuff. But Tuesday avoids Friday, uh, Monday night football and everything as well. So gives I'm getting like, very, very far ahead of myself it gives, here. It gives people an excuse for why the, it's not full, right? It was a Tuesday night. <laughs> uh, but it also sounds like they're not going anywhere for a new stadium as well and he feels that BC plays the size isn't prohibitive to having those kind of atmospheres that you get at soccer specific stadiums I, I will respectfully disagree with him on that but I also partly feel in his heart he would also respectfully disagree but there isn't really a lot of options unless someone wants to build a stadium in two years yeah um, last bit of Whitecaps news, Brian White earned his first mm. call-up to the US men's national team this week. So he's had his medicals done already and he joins up with the US national team on Monday. It's My understanding of this is it's a little bit weird. They play Slovenia on January 20th, but not, not the whole going. squad yeah. will be playing that. So if White isn't in the squad to play the game, he's going to go and join up with the Whitecaps in Marbella or... He will play that game. Either way, it's going to be some good pre-season for him anyway. And it's yeah. it's great reward for Brian after a great season. Delighted for him. Yeah, congratulations, Brian. That is it for our Whitecaps chat. Pretty much it for the show. But we're going to bring you this episode's wavelength. And it touches or ties in with Brian White's call-up. This is an English band originally from Portsmouth, now based in London. They're called Hotel Lux. And this is a song that features on their debut album from 2023, Hands Across the Creek. It was close to featuring in my Festive 15 as well, but I wanted to keep it for a wavelength, so it ties in very nicely. Hotel Locks, National Team. The National Team the national team There's people my age that play for the national team The national team The national team There's people my age that play for the national team Medication and gold, he beat. 
position Then we can't be the winners This manual that I own It's written for beginners If life's a competition Then we can't be the winners This manual that I own It's written for beginners The national team, the national team There's people my age to play for the national team The national team, the national team There's people my age to play for the national team And everything I wanted, it's only a dream Yet there's people my age to play for the national team And everything I wanted, it's only a dream Yet there's people my age to play for the national team English band Hotel Lux there, national team. It's a great video as well. Check it out. Football themed video. Some good stuff in it. And the lyric in that, Zach, there's players my age that's in the national team. No players my age, sadly, in the national team. Maybe the, the seniors, but yeah. Long gone are those days. But a great song, a great band. Check them out. Maybe we'll feature that album as album of the month as well. Really like a earlier song that's not on their album as well, um, the the Hangman. It's a it's a good one. Should check that out. But that is it for the show. Just before we go, though, Zach, any final thoughts from you? Anything that's caught your eye this week? No, I just want to give a, a shout out, Ren, uh, to a, a listener of the show today. We, uh, uh, you know, end of December, beginning of January is often the time where like there's a lot of uh, you're spending a lot of money on different gatherings and presents and all these different things. So every so often we'll we'll go to the and now if you know the answer to this don't say it Michael but oh okay we'll, we'll go to the and I'm sure you do because you're Scottish but um we'll go to, we'll go to the place we'll go to a place where you can get probably the cheapest meal like anywhere these days and we we're at this place and someone uh some someone I'm friends with recognized was also there with their family and came over and uh, said hi and catching up because I haven't seen each other in person in a long time, but we, you know, we know what's going on in each other's lives through social media and whatever. And, um, and then he said, Oh yeah, he's, and I, he's made, made a joke or something and I laughed or whatever. And he's like, I still listen to the podcast often. And I love that laugh. And like, I do like, love like, your laugh. Like many of my friends said, yes, uh, I like it when you laugh. And then there's that pause and you're like, Michael. <laughs> and it happens a lot. It does. Anyways, that's Andrew Andrew Cowan. So shout yeah. out to Andrew Cowan. It was good to see you today. Awesome. And, um, and if mean, you know, and if you know, if you know what the cheapest place is to get a meal, when Michael posts on Twitter, put it in there, or text Michael, or I made it everyone take for money just now, and I, I, I've got a plan of making money. I was thinking about this. I'm going to put all my savings for retirement. I'm going to put it on a basketball game. 
because I saw the Harlem Globetrotters are in <laughs> Abbotsford and Vancouver. Now, I feel they're due a loss. <laughs> so I haven't told Caitlin this yet, but I've put all the money on the, the opposition. So is this more than your usual big, like, $10 bet? Yeah, it's my whole life savings. It's $20. And you're putting it on the, what are they called, the... Who, whoever the Globetrotters are playing, I don't even know who they're playing. <laughs> well, they always play, don't they always play the same team as the Washington Senators or the something? Or, yeah. I don't know. They used uh, to always play the same team, dude. They travel. Oh, oh, no. No wonder the bouquet <laughs> took my money so easily. <laughs> I thought they were playing the Raptors or something. I thought they're due. They're due. They're due, yeah. Um, I just wanted to leave you with a, an email that we got from listener Richard Williams, a man after my own heart. No, yeah. he's, not a, he's not a grave robber. But he, a follow-up to my things you'd like to change in world yeah. football. Yeah, He's like, as I get older and crotchety, and th this is Richard, not me. Could be me. This actually could have been written by me. I long for the day of a paper match ticket and a proper match programme. For the first few seasons in the MLS, the Whitecats put out a programme which later morphed into a four-page fold-out of the lineups and a mini-profile of the match or a player. I've got them all in my collection upstairs. So my question is, has the match programme in North America gone the way of the dodo bird? Clubs may argue of the cost to produce and the waste and environmental effect many discarded after the game, of which there were many. Mm. Personally, I would be prepared to pay a few bucks for a quality product. I would argue that most people who are paying for it are not going to bin it. As well, print a fixed amount to create demand. I understand that my mobile phone is now to serve as my match programme, but wondering what <laughs> our thoughts are. Would something like a fanzine satisfy or quench his hunger for a lasting memento of the game? And it's, it's very true. Whenever I go over to the UK to games especially when I'm doing any ground hopping at non-league games, the first thing I do is track down where the programmes are on sale. And it's great to see it's alive, thriving in the lower leagues. And you have to produce a programme up to a certain step in the English pyramid. It's just part of the, the thing as well. But yet yeah, more and more of the big clubs are moving on to the digital thing and moving away from it. And as someone who's got a, a collection of football match tickets, gig match tickets... Football programs. I've got East Five programs from the late fifties, and I've got a full set pretty much up till a, a couple of years ago, where I suddenly had the realization: if I don't move back to Scotland, how the fuck is Caitlin going to sell these East Five programs over here? Still, <laughs> a very valid concern because they're worth money. eBay, eBay. Oh. Yeah, but then you've got to ship them back to Scotland. So, and she be, could be in her 60s or 70s or hopefully 80s by that point if I've if I've had a good life ahead of me. But yeah, what I would like, I'll put this out to the White Caps because I've been pitching my ideas to the White Caps. Ice Peak, another idea that I pitched to, to Axel that we'll maybe discuss in the months to come. This is my other one for you. Bring out match day programmes again. Charge money, limited amount, pay for it. I would definitely buy them. Because look what I've got here, Zach, in my box of tricks. It's the programme for the Whitecaps' first ever match, May 74, against San Jose. Nice. Collector's item. I'd like to see more to honour it this year as well. Get that done. And I know... I, 
There's a I small group of us. I think I have one. I think someone gave me one from the first game at BC Place. I, I'd be happy to be the program editor. I'll even throw that out there to the club. Yeah. Because I, I, I am pitching lots of ideas to them right now. I think it would be. Wasn't it like those, maybe not the first year, but didn't one year, didn't they do it on like extremely like biodegradable paper or something? Yeah. I mean, the, the first year at Empire, they had some fantastic thick programs. I've got them all mm -hmm. in a box upstairs. Then it, they did transition to the, the fold out one, and now it's just, it, it's gone. It's a dying art form, like yeah. much of the old days of football. I uh, I have I have tons I need to sell. Here's something else from my box of tricks that I've got. I, I've, I've put a whole collection of, of things here to, to show you on the screen that no one else can see. There's the album of the month, James Stutter. Great. Check Great that out. And just, I've been, I dug this back out again and was having a read. My Scorcher Annual from 1974. Is that Bobby Charlton in short shorts? It is Bobby Charlton and Billy's Boots cartoon strip scorcher annual it's full of like cartoon strips and some stories that we can maybe serialize and yeah great great stuff I, I miss those days so does richard let us know if you would like a match program to return tss were doing them for a while as well pester all the clubs email bombard all the clubs I, with emails we want programs we want programs I think any way you can make matches like more special, the better. I think the with the the um, the hope not to um, create a whole bunch of waste for the environment, right? All these clubs are being more cognizant of their yeah. their footprint or whatever. Um, I think you I think you could strike a. I mean, the, these the Whitecaps every year do a survey of all kinds of different things. Why not do a survey that says, "Hey, next year we're planning on putting out." A match day program it's going to be five dollars two dollars whatever uh please let us know if you're interested because we're only planning on making limited quantities for mm -hmm. those who want them they're going to be available at this section starting at this time every you know every game we're doing it for one year if they do this well or that well we'll continue it next year like it's not it's not rocket science now it does it take some time and energy and like you said well, you know, it takes a lot and... i'm sure nathan is listening to this going why does he keep giving us ideas that is going <laughs> to give so much time that we just have not got to spend right now <laughs> yes but yeah pester everyone get the programs back but that is it for this program the <laughs> audio variety that could be the next thing we'll be back with another episode soon until then, as always, thank you so much for listening. Happy New Year to everybody. Because mm -hmm. it is our first show, officially, of 2024. And we will be back with another one very, very soon. Take care, and mourn the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.
Et...